Hello everyone and welcome to episode 429 of Conversation Street for the week of the 27th to the 31st of July 2020 with me, Michael. <laughs> and me, Gemma. What was the last I've just for? looked over it and seen that you've put that cactus inside a candle holder. Yeah, I know, <laughs> Gemma's had me tidying we've, today. We, uh, we've both been tidying yeah, and we, I've been working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've been and directing me. The funny, you are so funny when you tidy. You, you do the strangest of things. Well, you shouldn't have so much stuff. No, yeah, well, try and put oh, things on top of or inside of other things. I'm so sorry. I have a cactus space. and a candle holder. <laughs> they're yes, because they're matches, exclusively my property, are they? Yes. Anyway, we're going on holiday next week. We'll talk a bit more about that later because you might have heard there's been some stuff going down in Manchester this week. And uh, it's going to affect us slightly, but we'll talk to that when we get to the news section. But we've got some much more... Um, is it much more exciting? I think, yeah, I think it is. Some good news to talk about first, which is some posts that we got yesterday. Oh yeah, this was very exciting. The the postman came and there was a big plop on the on the step, wasn't there? Yeah, we didn't even go and get and it for I a while, like, did we? Well, we were well, watching telly or something. No, well, it's normally my work stuff because I get DVDs and games and magazines and books and everything all the time, which is why we've got so much stuff in the house. <laughs> And I came and walked up to the um, door, saw it on the mat, and it said, ITV, there's a sticker on there. And I was like, ooh, mm. I'll and, uh, take this to my husband immediately. We, we knew what it was, didn't we? Because it's, yes. uh, it turns out that it's a script from Coronation Street, which was um, given to us by, um, well, by the, the kind folk at Coronation Street after the Zoom quiz that I was in for Eat Well Manchester back in, it was June, wasn't it? It was, yeah. it was just the end of last month. Um, yeah, and uh, because I did so exceptionally well in that quiz, I use a poor Macquarie knowledge on that, which is why I've been so rubbish on Gemma's quiz recently. Oh, that explains it. They said it. that they would give me a script. Oh, I Little did I know, that. however, that um, the script would turn out to be signed. I know! That was a really cool touch. I, I'm so interested to know how this came to be about. What do you mean? Right. Well, because some people who have signed the script know of us. Yes. And I don't know whether when they had the script signed, they knew that they were signing it for... I know. Do they, like, just, you know, sign scripts all I the time? I imagine that they do. I imagine <laughs> that they're always signing scripts for stuff. Won't and bother selling this on eBay, then, if they're ten a penny. And I, I also imagine that they just do them in a load and then they give them out. Quite and, possibly. And why would you even tell people, oh, can you sign this, please? It's for the blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You'd just be like, sign that. That doesn't matter. I also wonder who was in charge of sending it out. Was it the press office? Mm. Or was it a different department? And were they like, oh, God, these guys? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's also interesting to see who has signed it, because it's certainly not just the people that appeared on the episode. So the script that we've got is for the episode from the 10th of February this year, which was the one where... Um, it's exciting, Mum. It's, it's the one where Bethany and Daniel go to Ray's office to try and get inside his computer and, and find out what does he stuff. And this is when on. we have the revelation of there's some kind of um I think that's map. the following episode, oh, yeah. Is they it? they get the they Daniel takes oh, all the stuff it. from the D V D not a DVD, on a memory stick but from it his computer. Up, doesn't it? 
when he gets back home and puts it on oh, the computer. Yeah, see, I was so going to say, we should look end. and see whether it says anything about that no, in the it directions. Doesn't. It's a really interesting document because um, I think that, in a way, the stage directions are some of my favourite bits to have yeah. read. I've not been through the whole thing yet. but Who wrote you know, we, this? Just so we can credit them. With. Um, Jan, Jan McVerry. Okay, And well I think done. it's Jan McVerry good. For example, <laughs> at the outer reception area, a legal secretary is seated at her desk. There are two middle-aged women in the waiting room, plus Bethany. Daniel enters, exchanges a secret glance with her, then sits, pretending not to know any of them. Meanwhile, the inner office door marked Miles Ingham, partner, has opened, and Miles emerged, angrily tossing a folder down on his secretary's desk. Very exciting stuff, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, actually. It makes me feel like I'd like to read a book with all the scripts. <laughs> is that really... All the scripts, yeah. all 10,000. Yeah, I wonder how big that book... There's a this couple is of, like um... a chunky, chunky... Yeah, it, it? it is a thick document, isn't it? It's like a couple of page, uh, centimetres thick. Um, the, the, the climax of the episode was... Um, was uh, the men hurry towards the office as Bethany despairs. Security won't be enough. Daniel will surely be arrested now. Or worse. Or worse. He put it might end of episode. So this was episode one thousand and two. Ten thousand and two. Ten thousand. <laughs> and it's and the script is sixty four pages long. Yes. So it's so I presume a complete a complete script was given to everybody Everyone involved was, in yeah. producing this. So imagine how much paper they get through. I know. I don't need to move digital really. It's interesting the formatting of it because think... all the scripts is the scripty bit is on the right side of the page and there's a massive uh, and there's margin. a big massive margin on the left hand side of the page I think it's where they can make notes and stuff like that here's another um, shocking turn of events in this episode the car's doing about 25 miles an hour by now and exhausted David's eyelids close the car yeah. veers too sharply to the left mounts the curb and collides with a skip parked upon the pavement inside the car the kids scream and David comes to with a groan horrified he's put them in danger it didn't seem as exciting as that when we actually watched it he just kind of drove into the side of the skip didn't they but hey, yeah. what can you do? Yeah, maybe maybe Jan had a you know higher expectations of that than it turned out. Um, so who we've got signing this? It, this is also a fun little game that we played, and we also put it up on social media to try and see if other people could do it. it was identifying solutions, identifying who has signed this because some of them are, are really obvious, and yes. some of them are just kind of scribbles, aren't they? I, I think the one that's been done with the most um, flourish is Sally Ann Matthews. It's very fancy, isn't it? It's it completely legible. Very, very legible, but it's still very swoopy in its yes, writing. Yes, it is. I love the way she does S's. I, I like her. I like her M as well. Oh, yeah. Look at the M on uh, Matthews. That's lovely. Yeah. I think that, that's the most obvious. But so a couple of the actors have also been really helpful by writing the names of their I think characters this is so next sweet. to their um, autographs. So we've got Julia Goulding, and I don't think I would have recognised that one to be fair, but no. she has written Shona next to it. And then we've got we've got Andy Wyman. So written Kirk in a circle and then well we've got one that says Toya here but I, I don't know what it says before and then. it's got and a little kiss after it it has got a little kiss so yeah maybe, maybe and she so, does know it's to me um, <laughs> Tina O'Brien oh yeah Tina She's O'Brien's written kisses. Sarah next and to her and I don't know who that is but they've done that, a kiss Dan Brocklebank has sent me a kiss um, Chris Gascoigne Georgie... might have sent a kiss as well or Possibly. just a why <laughs> Chris Gascoigne um, Maybe the, he's doing a protest about chromosomes. George's one's interesting. It looks like it's got a big Cadbury C at the beginning there, doesn't it? It's like it looks it's like, like a it's, swirl it's, in it looks your like it's somebody really elaborately wrote CV. Mm. But we've also who else have we got? We've got Joe Duttine, we've got Sally Dinover, Rob Mallard. Um, this one we think is Simon Gregson in the middle. What somebody else pointed this out? It looks like, a J. It looks like it, can... actually. I tell you who I tell you who signed that, uh-huh. and it, and you will look at it and agree with me instantly. It's Jim Carrey. 
Find find this picture on our Instagram and uh, Twitter and yeah. put it on Facebook. We, we have it, put it all over so you can compare. Sally Carmen's a nice easy one to read at the top. I've oh, got a kiss on Sally Carmen. Oh, well. yeah. You're so, so lucky. Stuff. I know, I know. Oh, and Jack P. Shepherd. Yes, he um, tagged himself. My, my rival on the quiz. <laughs> I bet you didn't know that's what this was for. <laughs> you wouldn't have signed it. No, he's not. He's not giving me a kiss. That's now. what I'm saying. There, there's only one that we're still not sure about, aren't, aren't we? The one that's in between Jack and um, Tina, and it, uh, it, it looks like it says "kill Egypt" or something. Oh no! But I'm sure it doesn't. So I don't think there's anyone called it. K. Some. It looks definitely looks like a some, K. Some people. A couple of people have said that this. They reckon this is Shelley King. Good. Oh, actually, it is. Look, that's an S. I thought that this little squiggle. Oh, it says Shelley. That's a H. Yes. E L L E Y, and then a K. Uh, this. Uh, this is live. This people. is live. This is live autograph discovery. I thought this S was a little squiggle that Tina O'Brien. I thought it was underlying her. her I thought so. That Tina O'Brien had underlined the kisses. Yeah. She wanted you to know. Three kisses, Michael. Here's it, Shelley. Oh, that's nice. Oh, we're lucky, I'll have to aren't send we? Her a message later to say thank you. Right, we're gonna have we to take care of this. This is this. a prize possession. I'm gonna put it carefully. It will be part of our eventual Coronation Street Museum that we'll surely establish one of these days. If anybody would like to help us crowdfund for a um a property for museum, and by which I would also like to have you know a swimming pool and and a kitchen and. Maybe just a house with a basement in it. If you guys want to help us, you can subscribe to our Patreon, ah. which we'll be using to pay the mortgage off. But that was that was lots of fun. I, I really enjoyed getting that, and I'm looking forward to giving it a proper read later. You but haven't thank have you, you introduced what episodes we're doing? 1093 to 1095 this Carnation Street broadcast between the 27th and the 31st of July. Have I not said that? I don't even know. I, have, I definitely said that. Coronation Street, said we're that. talking about. Just we are, so you know. We are. Gemma, yeah. you know I did really, really well on the Coronation Street Zoom quiz this year. <laughs> How am I going to do on your quiz this week? Oh, everybody, what? listen to this, listen to this. Oh, when no, we finished what? recording the quiz last week, and I forgot to mention this in the rest of the podcast, Gemma revealed to me that she's been purposefully making these questions harder no, in July. You did. You said, I've not gone for the easy oh. questions. I've not no, gone I for the most it. obvious. I've tried to you make them more a, interesting. You took a completely... By which I mean making <clears throat> them harder. It's interesting how your mind works. Thank you. Right, because I said to you, I've been trying to make these more interesting, so sorry if they're a bit more difficult than usual and that are just boring questions. And you, in your mind, have changed that into me ap- coming to you, apologising for ruining your reputation as ultimate Coronation Street <laughs> quiz master. Oh, well. I've made no such apologies to you, I told you. How is it today? Have you got some interesting well, questions this week? I wouldn't say they were that interesting. Oh, good. I prepare them nice and boring. And that is, I can tell you, that is my philosophy about this podcast as a whole. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's that interesting, but, you know, some people like what it. What was Hilda's husband called? Right, go on then, let's get started with this. We're already 10 minutes in. to the 31st of July, years ending in a 0 and a 5, from coronationstreet.fandom.com. Here's my questions. 27th July, 1970. A baby has been snatched. 50 years ago this week. Emily and Bet find it with a recently bereaved widow and mother. But who is it? Who's kidnapped the baby? Um, 27th July, 1970. 1970. Who's kidnapped the baby? I don't know who kidnapped that baby. It was Irma. Did she? Recently bereaved widow and mother. Oh, yeah, you even gave me a clue there. I did. I gave you a really big clue. Oh, you're not, dear. You've Here got we to go actually again. think about these. Some of these, you need to work them out. I don't think you're going to know that, but I'm you not, need to I'm work them out. I'm not a cryptic crossword man. Um... 
I thought this was interesting and the reason I included it was because we spoke about the 70s and we said that Irma had had her husband and child both die in a car accident and came back to the street and we were like she is not really that bothered about it but it turns out she was bothered about it but they just didn't put the episodes so bothered she tried to steal someone else's kid yeah Right, 27th of July, 1915. There's a raid on the pub. 1915? 2015. <laughs> <laughs> this is a real deep cut. This is getting into the Darren Little stuff. Uh, there's a raid on the pub. On the pub. And Bethany's holding drugs. She manages to slip into someone. But who? And what is the name of the pub? That was at the Dog and Gun. Yes. She slips into Jumper, doesn't she? Yes. Yeah. Hooray! Two well points. done! 28th of July, 1965. Fellow landlady and frenemy of Annie Walker's comes to see about nominating Annie as chairwoman of the Weatherfield Ladies Licence Victuallers. Who is the lady and which pub is she the landlady of? Nellie Harvey. Uh-huh. Now, she wasn't She wasn't from the Flying Horse or the Weather Yards, was, nope. was it the, the Laughing Donkey? Yes, it was yes. the Laughing Donkey. <laughs> oh, back in the game. You are. This was her first appearance on the show, ah. played by Molly Sugden. 28th of July, 1980. Who is involved in a head-on collision on a country road? Rene. And I didn't write who had a pole through the face because it would have been no one. <laughs> oh, which, uh, by the way, that's our bonus episode this week, isn't it? Character yes. profile on Rene Rabchill, Rene Rad- uh, Roberts or whatever we want to call her. Yeah. Just so that we can get it all out of the way and we never have to talk about her again. Not on our favourites list. Not so, really, so. No. 28th of July, 2000. Mm-hmm. 20 years ago. Norris Cole moves into number three as the new lodger after someone leaves to go travelling in India. But who is it? Um, Spider. Yep. Yay. Doing well, you've only got one wrong. Yes. 29th of July, 2015. How does Cathy get trapped in her own home? Oh, this was, must have been when she um, had a pile of boxes fall on top of her from her hoard. Yeah, she was hoarding. She got she boxes fell. But I said, I gave you a point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Thirtieth <laughs> of July. Anyway, from her hoard makes it sound like she she either did have a hoard of treasure or like a load of Mongolians just hanging out in her house throwing boxes at her head. It's hoarding. You know what? You know what I meant. Um. <laughs> Come on, keep going, keep going. I'm I am. Thirtieth of July, nineteen eighty. Death of which character? Rainy Roberts. Yeah. Surely. She didn't die the same day that she, she had a didn't. She didn't. She didn't. She went to hospital. Didn't she? 30th of July 2010. Who buries Colin Fishwick and where? Charlotte Hoyle and John Stape buried Colin Fishwick underneath Underworld. Mm-hmm. That must be like three points. No. 31st of July 2000. Points. Steve McDonald is worried his life could be in danger if he testifies in court against who? Just quickly. 31st of July, 2005. What revelation does Mike Baldwin have about his nephew, Danny Baldwin? I don't know. What? what? 31st yeah. of July, 2005. What revelation um, does Mike Baldwin... That he's really his dad and not his uncle. No, no. wrong. He's his son. Mike is his... Shut up. <laughs> oh, that's right. Mike is Danny. They, they pulled a Fred and Ashley. I did really well on that, even if I do say so myself. 12 out of 13. 12 out of 13, yes. Okay, right. With some interesting questions too. Right, oh, on to the quick fires. Good, I'm glad you thought that. Right, quick fire questions and I've got to get myself into the right bit. It's from a little magazine booklet and, thingy. Oh yeah, this is sourced from the Coronation Street magazine. 150 questions and answers. Who kept a donkey under the viaduct? Oh, oh. 
Oh, I can't remember what his name was. Tommy Deacon. He took up wrestling for one night only. Stan? Yep. How did Ida Barlow die? Car crash? No, hit no. my bus, hit my bus, hit yes. my bus, hit my bus. Um, oh, who saved Tracy from the chip pan fire? I don't remember that at all. Ken. Um, the answer is Dave Bolton. And then I've got the answer is Catherine, but there's no question, so oh. that's intriguing. Let's assume isn't it? I would have got that one right. Who did Sandra Petty fall mad in love with? I think it was um, Dennis Tanner. Yep. Um, who was accused of stealing leather jackets from the warehouse? Oh, I don't remember, I don't know. Billy Walker. Who was the council mole of 1983? Ah. <sighs> uh, mm. This is this is tr- tricky. This is tricky. I'm going between two people. Oh, I'll just say Deirdre. No, it was Ken. Oh. Who was the council mole of 1989? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. Is it Deirdre? No. Is it Wendy? No, is it Ken? It's, it's Wendy. Wendy. I said Wendy. It's my second go. Oh, I don't know. I suppose I'll give it to you. What happened to Av Roberts immediately after he lost his council seat to Deirdre Barlow? What happened to him? Yes. He had a commiseratory did pint. Did I stutter? Um, well, you got five wrong. Well, and what did happen to him? Heart attack. Well, that quiz doesn't count. No, it's not a real quiz, is it, Michael? <laughs> no. Okay, right. Birthdays. Jesse Evans. First... Oh, who, yeah, who, who can we take birthday cards up to Manchester for? Right, we're going to pack them for people that are possibly dead. Okay. Amongst others. We'll write them when we get there, then. Okay. Jesse Evans, who played Megan Hopkins, 1st of August. 2nd of August, Sandra Goff, who played Irma Barlow. 3rd of August, Andrew Lancel, or Lancel. Lancel. He played Frank Foster. 5th of August, John Sharp, who played Les Clegg. Lawrence Mullen, who was Steve Fisher. <laughs> Steve Fisher. <laughs> Ray... <laughs> we know who he is. Ray Fearon, who played Nathan Cooper. Anthony Cotton, who played Sean Oh, there we Tully. go. We can go and say happy birthday and... to Anthony. And Oliver Farnworth, who played Andy Carver. Yeah. 6th of August, writer Vince Powell and Reese Dinsdale, who was Joe McIntyre. That's our wedding anniversary, everybody. Ten years we've been married this year. Ten Next week. years. What's the tenth year and wedding anniversary? Ten. Ten. Oh, send me some spaghetti hoops, please, everybody. And ravioli. So, so who's, why is anyone going to send you anything? <laughs> Right, 7th of August. What, so you want to be rewarded <laughs> for being married. I guess it, I guess you do deserve some hoops. 7th of August. Shobh Nicolati played Sunita Alahan's birthday. Tina O'Brien, who was Sarah Platt III. And mm. Helen Flanagan, who's Rosie Webster II. There's a really, a really good crop of birthdays. There are. Happy birthday, everybody. There are, but yeah. But only only um, Tina and Anthony likely to be up north next week. And to be fair, probably not on I their birthdays. Maybe they have those days. Live there. there, or unless they're Who dead. Knows? Who knows? There were definitely some dead ones in that list. <laughs> right, that was our intro. I think we're ready to go on and talk about this week's Britain's Got Talent replacement street talk. Agreed. <laughs> oh yeah. Let's move on. Right. So this week's street talk, we've only got three stories, Gemma. Oh, nice. Two two big ones and a little one. Hmm. Feels, it feels like I'm picking out letters and getting countdown. No, numbers. <laughs> I've watched countdown right. for a long time. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> we start off with the, with the gaslighting story, which there wasn't a whole lot of gaslighting this week. In fact, he was, he was hit full force. But I also thought we could call it Watch Out. 
because the watch ah watch out out. yeah um and then we had the yas fighting story as well um finally um we've got the the little side story this week was bailey ever here but i also suggested we could call it pearl bailey because it sounds a bit like pearl barley but you didn't, you didn't Pearl, like that the Pearl other day. Was the... Pearl was their wedding anniversary that they celebrated. You looked that up before it was even on the show, didn't you, to find that out? I did. I, I, yeah, I was doing my pun research. Yeah. <laughs> it just come naturally to me. So um, the, the Gary and Maria story. So this is, I mean, the, the, with, they've, they've talked a little bit in interviews and stuff this week about how this would have been different. During... I, don't, I don't know that I appreciate those observations, to be frank. You'd, you'd rather... I'd rather not know, because it feels like... Not know they're how going... it could have been better. It's like sometimes when people buy you a present, they're like, oh, I was going to get you a so-and-so, but then they didn't have any, so I got you this. Or, you know, have you ever had that when you were little? Yeah. And, a, and a, somebody would say that to you, and you're like, great. <laughs> it's like, here's what you could have won, isn't I, it? I... I... I found that there were some exciting bits in the story, but I, I've seen lots of quite a lot of positivity online about this whole week, to be honest. And I thought that the week started strongly, but as it as it went on into Monday, uh, Wednesday, sort of and Friday, it kind of it, it did it, it did. did you, so, do you want to talk about what it should have been now no, or let, afterwards? Let, let's talk. Let's talk about it afterwards. Let's see what actually happened first with old Gary and Maria. So, um, we start off. And this is one of the things that I quite enjoyed on Monday's episode, Bernie and Gemma talking about this watch. And we we, we theorised, we spoke for ages last week, didn't we, about how she could have got her hands on this watch. Did she prise it off Rick's um, skeletal corpse? Had Gary dug the body up and stashed it in the van and then the watch had come off en route? Um, you know, all, all manner of possibilities. Because surely this watch couldn't have just been left lying there for a year and nobody noticed it. Well, it turns out that the watch had just been left lying there for over a year and nobody had noticed it. I don't know if that's true. What? Why? Because she said she found it under some litter. Yeah. It still, it still seems to me that it could have just been dropped by Gary. Why, why do you think that it what, wasn't? What, like today? Why do you think it wasn't? I don't know. The way... Why would Gary have been carrying his watch around with him? Or unless... Did Gary get there before them and then dig up the body and then manage to move it in time? Because we saw... Do you think Rick is still in the woods? I don't really know. And it's I don't like... think he is. But he definitely wasn't in the van because we got to see the van later in the week. So if he has moved, no. he's just found him a, you know, a different grave. Yeah. So what do you, where do you think he is? Don't know. Because, because Gary was in the, root, in the woods. Bernie and um, Brian found him in the woods. So unless he's dug up the body... Moved it to somewhere else, like some convenient paper mill or something, mm-hmm. which I hear is the, the in place for yeah. disposing of your corpses in Corryland, and then got back to the woods. For, for There'd be no reason for him to return to the woods. I think you're overthinking it, honestly. I think the amount of times we've watched Corrie and gone, well, that can't be the case because that logically thinking about it, this and that and that, and then they've gone, no, that is it. No. Well, the amount of times that's happened, you just need to accept that not not every character is going to act logically, and it is perfectly possible that Gary dug the corpse up, stuck him in the van, drove somewhere else, buried it, dug a hole, buried him in there, came back and went back to the woods because he was like, maybe he went back to the woods because he was like, damn it, I don't, I thought I dropped his watch. (laughs) Maybe I I have also never heard so many people say the word gunmetal in a half hour period as I did. 
Yeah, and they were talking about this watch, and I was really confused because I thought gunmetal was just a colour. It has and a type of metal. And I made you look it up, and it's a type of metal. But they kept saying, oh, it's a gunmetal watch, it's a gunmetal watch, it's a gunmetal watch. It's like they wanted to say the brand, but they, they weren't allowed to. <laughs> and so they Gun substituted. Brand. I don't understand. Because like, I can understand if it was like um, a pair of earrings, you'd be like, oh, they're, they're gold. That would be a, a, a decent descriptor that also explained the value of the watch. But, the, but I'm not really into watches, so I don't know. Is gun, is, do you say, oh, yes, this watch is gunmetal? Well, and Bernie did, because she was interested in selling it. I know she it. did. Worth £400. The, the thing that I liked about it's it... It's not worth it, £400 if it's been in the woods for a year. There was a bit of a running gag about, um, are they going to try and find the real owner to it? Which I thought was quite funny. Between um, Gemma and between Bernie. Between those two. And then I think Sarah mentions it later on when Bernie goes around to see her. He's like, you're not going to go and find the owner or something? And... And Bernie's like, oh, yeah, nice one, Sarah. <laughs> I, I thought it was quite funny anyway. Um, so, meanwhile, Sarah is um, having a good old moan to David about Gary because everything that's been going on. It's important to note that Bernie has no idea of the significance of the name Rick. No, she doesn't. And we were saying that last week. We don't think that she nor Gemma know anything about who Rick or, or, or Laura are. Um, but David, when, when Sarah's talking to him, talks about how comforting it is for him to realise that other people's relationships are just as messed up as him. He's like, I'm not really interested. I just like listening to other people's misery or something. This is when he also drops in that the show and the storyline's been put on ice. He's like, oh, well, there's social distancing or quarantine and then can't really... Can't really meet up with her. Yeah, so there's one story and there's another one that gets mentioned later on in the week that seems to have um, been postponed as well, but we'll, we'll get to that later on. So... Um, Bernie then goes round to the factory. She's She's been trying to sell this watch all over the place. She goes to the factory next and Sarah's there and Bernie says, look, do you want this watch? And she's not interested, but she says, oh, why don't you try Adam? Because he's got a watch with a broken clasp at the moment. I'm sure he'd love it. So ab- apart from us, that being a serious, serious suspension of disbelief that Bernie would end up having uh, going round to find this person and also Adam's got a broken watch... At this point, we're led to believe that she has gone to sell it to Adam, don't we? Aren't we? Because she then pops over to the cabin and tells Brian and Kathy that a treasure hunting escapade turned up trumps for her because she found this watch and she got £50 for it. But she yeah, she doesn't reveal the buyer at this point. So, meanwhile, Gary... Is, uh, no, later on, sorry. Gary then brings a bottle of Shiraz over to the cabin to apologise to Brian about how he kicked off on Friday's episode. And he, he blames his PTSD coming back. Although he's not trying to, you know, excuse himself. He's just saying he thinks that's what it is. He's saying there's, there's no excuse, really, but I, I used to have PTSD, don't you know? Um, Quinny! <laughs> and, and then they mentioned to Gary about this watch that um that Bernie had discovered. So Gary's panicking now. Oh no. Because he knows about it. Well of course he, he knows because the they're like, oh it has such a Rick written on it or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, blood all over it. No, but that, <laughs> they don't say what what it says. They because Gary then goes to the rovers to find Bernie and well, she's listen. the one that says, Oh I can't remember oh I think it said Rick or Laura or something. The significant point about the watch is that it was found in the woods when Gary specifically warned Bernie not to go there because he was worried she might find something. Yeah. So as soon as Gary hears that Bernie has indeed found something, he immediately worries that it is exactly what he had feared and he was right. Yeah, and the big twist at the end of Monday's episode is that it wasn't Gary, it wasn't Adam that Bernie sold the watch to. It was indeed Sarah because she's been nice wife and deciding to buy a new watch for her husband to replace his old rubbish one. I, I sorry, but I wouldn't want a watch that's been engraved with somebody else's. Oh, no. However gunmetally it is. Oh well, you're not going to like my anniversary present <laughs> I got you then. 
Um, anyway, she knows exactly who this watch is because obviously she's had many dealings with Rick Nealon before. So yeah, she's, she's starting to think now. staring at it in the kitchen going, ooh. She's all, sort of all manner of things are going through her head at the moment. Like, Adam's been, has Adam been right about Gary all along, blah, blah, blah. So, um, and everybody see, I mean, they, they jump to the correct conclusion. And this is another example of how um, fans can sometimes be a bit fickle and not really know what they want out of a soap. Because when things, when they don't work out something from clues, we get really frustrated and we're like, come on, guys, it's obvious. But then when they, they work something out from, from very meagre clues, you, you think, no, what? So you find a watch and you immediately think the person who owned it must be dead. That no, nobody's ever lost a watch in their life. Every single item of lost property belongs to a corpse. Yeah, well, both... Doesn't really make sense. Well, did, I can't remember, because Adam definitely jumped to that conclusion last week, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, like, they both just Rick decided Nita? that they I, I can't remember him. whether he then said that to Sarah, or Sarah, you know, independently made the assumption that, that Rick's dead. I mean, dead. they're not wrong, but it still is a bit like... There was an awful lot of... Um, I mean, again, we can come to it, but I think it's partly to do with the rewrites. <laughs> Some of it seemed a, a little bit more convenient than, than I would have liked from Coronation Street. But anyway, Wednesday, David finds Adam asleep in the solicitor's Convenience office. Street. Yes. Um, and he says, look, if you know why what's is good they, for Why you, is Adam sleeping in the solicitor's? Um, I think because... Have they had an argument? Yes, I'm going to say drunk? yes. I think he was drunk. What happened... I don't understand what happened between Sarah and Adam that that Adam sleeping at the solicitor's office. I can't remember, but it probably probably, probably something insurance. very very important that we've forgotten about. They're pro- they're, they're, were they not just arguing about about? Oh no, it was because of the whole Laura thing, wasn't it? She so they're walked, still not. Yeah, because this is only what well, one thing that they're doing now still is making two episodes. One, one day. day, aren't they? And I was, I thought that once they got back to filming, it would be sensible to say, well, let's make it a three-day week again. But it's still a one-and-a-half-day week, and the episodes are being written as, as an hour long. And that's going to be weird. Your sister did her dissertation for her master's about the, the depiction of the passage of time in theatre, didn't she? Something yeah, like that. Something like She'd that. have a field day with Coronation Street. I know. It's so it's literally there are three days in a fortnight on Coronation Street at the moment. <laughs> and it, it just it's it's odd. They used to make standalone half an hour episodes. Why can't just, they go back to I it? Know. But yeah, that that's why. Sarah walked in on Gary sorry on and Adam Laura. with Laura and uh, so she's still annoyed about that. Okay, so, so, he, so he has to sleep in the solicitor's office. Yeah, and and David says, Look, you need to just drop this about Gary concentrate on your marriage to my sister um, otherwise you're going to risk losing her um, I, this is when he makes some comment he, he chucks his keys onto Adam's crotch doesn't he and he's like oh watch the family jewels and David's like you've not got much use out of them recently and he's like Ugh. yeah go home and give my sister a good old shag is that yeah. what you want me to say yeah um, so Gary tells Bernie later that Eddie, his dad, is turning 60 next week and he'd actually quite like Shout to out give him a watch. Eddie. He didn't mention Eddie, I just wrote it in the script. No, he said his dad, but we all know who he meant. Yeah. Cake-making, fag-wearing, stringy... Uh, fag-wearing? Fag-holding, stringy-haired Eddie Windass. Yeah. He shuffled off a bit Currently um, stuck in Germany, I imagine, yeah. which is why he's not able to um, visit Gary in prison. I don't know what Anna's excuse is at the moment. <laughs> not prison, on, in hospital. I don't know why Anna's not there at her son's bedside, but never mind. 
Um, well, the main thing is Gary wants the watch for Eddie. He, he tells Bernie that's that. That's what he says, doesn't he? He's like, I, I, I really quite fancy this. So if you go back to Sarah and, and get it back from her, then um, I'll pay you double what I paid you before for it. So. And also, don't tell her it's for me. And I can't ask her because she hates me. Yeah. So Bernie thinks this is quite a good idea. I mean, she's not particularly bothered one way or the other, but she thinks Money. it's worth a crack. So she goes to Sarah and asks for the watch back. First, she lies that um, Rick, this Rick who's on inscribed on it, has put missing watch posters up everywhere. And when Sarah doesn't buy that, she admits that she's got another buyer who'll pay double. And Sarah's like, no, oh, sorry, I, I need this. What I want it. I bought it. It's mine. And, she, and Bernie says, oh, look, you could buy a brand new one with the money Gary's offering. Whoops. Gary. Mm-hmm. So Sarah, so she knows now that Gary is after it, which is cementing her conclusions about her nefarious ex even more. So she goes out to him um, outside the front of Underworld and he's there with his van and he tries to buy the watch from her. No, she's not having it. She's keeping hold of this. And then she reads the inscription out to him and reveals her theory. Yeah, is Rick Nealon buried in the woods, she says. So you're right, she, she has come up with that by herself, I think. Was Adam right all along? And then... And yet again, Gary is the worst at denying this. He doesn't go, Rick's not dead, I spoke to him the other day. He doesn't say, you're crazy, why would Rick be dead? He doesn't say, why would I kill Rick? He doesn't say, why would he be in the woods? He doesn't say any of those things. He's just like, no. Well, he doesn't get a chance to come up with much comeback, to be fair, because she goes around and opens his van to... To find what's nefarious well, stuff there's got be a in there. Well, she thinks there might be dead body in there, but and, there isn't. Well, he finds a, there's some spades, some plastic sheeting, isn't there? Yeah. So if he hasn't dug him up already, he was definitely intending to. And it's really creepy because it's obviously a body de- de- burial kit, isn't it? And yeah. he goes, "Sarah, it was for you." <laughs> and I, it didn't mean to come out like that, but it did look as though he had been planning to bury Sarah as well. He meant he meant it as though everything I did, I did for, yeah. was for you. Well, do you think it was written? In that way, so that we were supposed to think he was I saying that know. it was for her. I don't know. It was a bit clumsy. It, was, it wasn't. It was a. It was a really. It was she a didn't nice, take it like that. Moment. It was funny. And yeah. He says everything was to protect you. Yeah. So he starts to explain what happened. He 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 does tell her everything pretty much, doesn't he? He recounts last year's Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> he doesn't week really when, say. Well, he says Rick had me tied up, and he whacked me with a golf club, and he thought, uh, and and he was going to come after you next. So what actually happened was. Um, Rick had told him that he was going to go after sort of hunt down Sarah and and kill her in the woods, which is why Gary went to the woods to to try and rescue her. Rick jumps him from behind and he gets a stone to the head. So Gary's telling her this. I I I really loved you. Um, it it was Rick or you, and I thought, what's a world without you? I'm still in love with you, Sarah. And he's. It's like, Marie are you Kate. really, are you really, or are you just saying that to try and get out of this? <laughs> you've just been, um, well, you've I've just been rumbled as no, a murderer. The thing is, it doesn't really matter, does it? Like, why are you saying it? It doesn't, because Sarah's like, well, I'm married now. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know if she has any feelings for Gary anymore. She seems a bit confused, but this marriage I'm sure they're is bubbling away just there. absolutely screwed from the beginning because. Adam's like, whatever, I'll just flirt with this woman. I don't care about my wife. Sarah's, Sarah's like, oh, but he says he loves me. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, she didn't say I'm married or I don't care about you. I love Adam. Yeah. Well, she's she's just trying to um, uh, process this information that she's found because she now knows that her ex has bumped off a loan shark and has probably got him buried in the woods somewhere. So he's like 
just trust me, just trust me, it's going to be okay. And then she and she pulls out the phone and starts dialing the police. And that was that was quite exciting. So he chases her down the road, um, right into the path of a car. He jumps um, to knock her out of the way of it, gets smacked by it himself, and he's left there at the end of Wednesday's episode, lying motionless on the cobbles. Will he survive? Yes. Yes, of course he will. This was not a cliffhanger. Sadly not. We've seen this happen far too many times. Well, logic... I mean, again, logic is against the the plot here. There's no... There's no... Surely nobody was worried that Gary was going to die because he's in the middle of a story. They're not going to kill him off in the middle of a story. Yeah, yeah. We'll come back to it later and we have lots more to say about the stunt, I'm sure. So Tyrone's there. Um, he's seen it all happen, so he runs over to help but then clears away before... Um, so before Gary starts talking, he, he goes to fetch Gaddas or something. The driver, I love Scarpers. this guy. He's like, oh, I'm just going to move the car. Yeah, <laughs> but he meant to a different road. <laughs> Gets in the car, drives off. Yeah, and this is when Gary starts talking. He doesn't get up still because he's still a bit woozy. Well, he's been as hit you would by a be. car. And he's like, oh, I, lo- I love you. I never loved anyone as much as I loved you. And Sarah's, Sarah's a bit confused about why he saved her because if she, if he'd allowed her to be knocked down by the car then, I mean, she could have taken his secret to her grave, but he, he says, oh, it's because I love you and, and everything. So he, he's, he saved her life. So uh, we see a few hospital scenes later. Sarah, Maria turns up. I've been wondering when Maria was going to show her face in this story. It's about time. Um, Sarah says to Maria, oh, it's all my fault. I was looking at my phone. She's probably checking the socials like Emma. One day it's so banging many, your knee on, so the, on the tree, and the next it's being hit by a car. So many things. Pokemon Go, it's still, the casualties it's still causing. She's, um, she says, yeah, get Gary pushed me out of the way. And Maria's takeaway from this is that Gary's, the, Gary's a hero and he saved her life. Tyrone then turns up and he says his side of the story. Like, oh, you were, I, I don't know why he was chasing her down the road or whatever. And Maria's like, well, Sarah didn't say this. Why, why would Sarah lie to me? And Sarah's like, oh, he was chasing after me. Well, see, I didn't realise about that. I was, I was rushing myself to go and pick up Parry or something. Um, I was on Twitter, but I was running. Yeah, it's uh, Tyrone must have uh, imagined what he saw. He must have misinterpreted what he saw. Um, Adam is there as as well, sort of supporting Sarah, and he's clearly very suspicious about this whole thing. Adam's sort of joining in with Maria a little bit, though. It's like, come on, guy, why you? You you must suspect something happened between Gary and Sarah that's to do with why you're so interested in in Gary why are you helping Maria badger her you can ask her later yourself (laughs) yeah that's true um so we find out from Maria later on that Gary's going to be okay oh good I know and then Sarah makes a sharp exit before the police arrive so um Adam sort of back at home asks her about why she did this and she's like oh not ready to to, to treat uh, to face the police yet and and that kind of part of the story is tied up neatly-ish for now because they both apologise to each other for everything that's happened over the past week. Gary, um, David's there as well and he says something, something, vomitarium, uh, which is where... He said, doesn't he say that I get a room, preferably a vomitarium? Yes. And this really annoyed me because I thought everybody knew this was a common misconception that a vomitarium is not where Romans used to be sick. Mm. It's ironic then that David said some of us paid attention to history in school. We, we never got taught this in history at school because it's not true. <laughs> vomitarium is the way you exit a stadium. It means to spew forth vomit. Oh, good fact. Good fact. 
So we, we end this at the hospital. Maria's there with her lovely bee face mask, which she pulls down to speak to Gary, who's just woken up. Maria says, you're going to be okay. Resting bee face. <laughs> <laughs> going to be okay. Um, police are probably going to want to speak to you soon once you're well. And uh, by the way, Gary, to ever tell you, you're the nicest, most genuine person that I've ever met. And Gary's like, oh no, this makes me feel even worse about murdering Rick. Mm. So that's that, really. Um, as I said, I, I found this okay. Um, I, 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 the, the, the watch stuff just irked me, really, at the beginning of the week. But I, I don't want to criticise Coronation Street about it too much because they had plans to do a lot more exciting stuff. Uh, I think what I read was that they were going to have Sarah track Gary down to the woods and then we're gonna, she was going to catch him midway through digging up Rick or something like that. See, so that that's how she was really going. that would really fun and exciting. That would have been fun and exciting. Why couldn't they have done that? It was still... Are oh, they not allowed to do a location? No, they? no, they're not allowed to do any of that. Which is why it might, it'd be odd if he has just reburied Rick somewhere else in the woods because it just delays it. No. He needs to bring him back to somewhere in the vicinity of Coronation Street if they want that body to be discovered no, at it, any point. What it does mean is that we can still have that scene at some point where somebody finds him bi- digging Rick up. But, I mean, they're not going to be able to film in the woods for months and months and months and months. And I don't think that they can't just say, well, especially if they want this story to be over, you know, if they want it to climax at the 60th anniversary. And I don't really want to be told. You know, I know what? That's the thing. I dug Gary up today. I go sorry, I dug Rick up today. Oh, it's so dramatic. Like they're gonna to have to think of something else now. I know. It must be so frustrating. So that's that's a shame that didn't happen. And then the same with the car crash. Um, that was gonna be some kind of accident that happened out in the woods as well. So everything that we saw was a a bit of a watered down version of what could have been. Which is a shame, but you know. Well, we don't we're those not, are the cards that Corey has been dealt. Nobody's getting what they want right now. <laughs> no. Why would we be any different? Yeah. So all all of the the bits with the watch. I I don't know. I don't think I've read anywhere that the watch was a very late addition to the story. But thinking about it, it kind of feels like it might well have been because it was just just too convenient that a that she found the watch, b that she goes to Sarah Louise to sell it to, um, you know, and then and then she and and c. Adam turns out that he needs a watch. It all felt like, oh, let's just say this happened, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, well, they, they, it was, it was okay. It was a bit. Yeah. So. What can you say? It. This is what. What they said wasn't it? Like, well, I hope people aren't going to nitpick too much, and I hope people are going to give us a break. Yeah, I mean, I think I could. I think it's still fine for us to nitpick, but I'm not criticising them yeah nitpicking and criticising are two totally if, if like your things. biggest stunt of the year so far you're suddenly told no you can't do it and they literally filmed you know two episodes before when it was going to happen you you got to pull something out your ass haven't you and, and it's a watch in this yeah. case so uh, but I mean it still gave us things that probably would have been in it, like Gary confessing his undying love to Sarah Louise. What was your your, your thoughts oh, on God, that? Oh, God, I thought this was... I was like, oh, really? The problem is, I never bought Gar- Gary and Sarah as I a couple. I also don't care. I don't particularly care, but like, the I thing think is, I would care more if I if I ever thought that they were, you know, the perfect matchup. No, I know, yeah. Fate um, if you split felt, them yeah. apart last year. I just, I found them incredibly dull as a couple. And I well, don't know. I just know. find it difficult to care about any couples on, on Corrie at the moment. 
and Gary and Gary and Sarah certainly not really on the top of my list. And also, I I find it boring and cliche to have a villain who's driven by love. You know, he didn't kill Rick because he was in love with Sarah. He killed Rick because Rick was trying to hit him and kill him. No, he was trying to kill Sarah though. He was rescuing Sarah. I... Sarah wasn't in the woods. And he thought that she was. Yeah, he thought he was. But think, they got think, in a fight together. Yeah, he, and, he and, went to the woods because Rick had lured him there with with saying, oh, I've got Sarah here. Yeah, I know, but you would have done that for anybody, surely, if you thought that... If you if you were a villain and you thought another villain was going to kill somebody you knew and it was your fault, you you would try to rescue them. I can't remember exactly I don't what really the relationship care, status was between Carrie and Sarah Listen, this time last honestly, year. honestly, but... I'm trying to tell you something. I don't care. No. I don't care about relationships or love. When it comes to villains, I think it's boring and, and cliche. We, I mean, oh. Pat Phelan never never did anything because he loved somebody. Did he love Eileen or is that no. just opening another can of worms again? No, no, he never did anything for Eileen. He did everything for himself. Uh, uh, I like villains like that. I don't buy, uh, number one, I don't buy Gary is motivated by love because, like you say, the relationship... I never really invested in it. And number two, I don't really want that to be the motivation, the motivating factor here. Because is, I think I think it's a lie. Nobody uh, kills somebody because they love someone else. I That's don't, rubbish. I don't know whether it's a lie or not. I mean, it could well have been that he no. was just saying, I love you, Sarah, can I have a watch back, please? But no, but listen, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. He wasn't a really villainy villain when he before he went off to kill Rick. Yes, he'd been accidentally responsible for the, the roof collapse and everything, but he's... He wasn't a lone shark at that point or anything. He hadn't gone fully down his dark path. And I think at the time, he, he did love Sarah. I just didn't, like you, didn't think that that love translated very well on screen. But I do know that a lot of people really, really did buy into Sarah and Gary I together. I don't like this rewriting of the narrative and the motivating factors behind what Gary did because I think Coronation Street works really well when they have villains who start off as sort of morally grey people or think that they are everyone thinks they're the hero of their own story and watching somebody justify bad decisions and take more and more bad decisions to hide their previous bad decisions I find that the most satisfying way of creating a villain that's why people like Richard Hillman and Pat Phelan are one of the best some of the best villains in Cora history because and and like to a certain extent John Staples even though people make fun of him he didn't come in as a villain and he didn't do villainous things for no reason everything he did everything these characters did was a series of decisions that were taken that caused like a knock-on effect that then led to further bad decisions yeah but like, both, both like, hit, go on. well like Richard and and um, like, like for example, Pat watched Michael die, and then he pushed himself further every time he took a victim. Mm. And Gary, I think, to me, the logical story that I'm what I'm I was seeing it unfold here was that Gary got himself into hot water being a loan shark, justified it to himself because he thought he was helping people, got himself embroiled in, in with Rick, went to the woods, killed him in self defense. Mm. And then from there on, is is sort of trying to keep the secret. We don't need Sarah, the love of Sarah to be involved in this. No, I don't think we need to. I think it, that's where it's gonna it's gonna go down some kind of 
love triangly thing now. I'm just not going, interested in that. No, no, I, I'm not either. I'm, I don't, I, I don't want something I've been really looking forward to for, for ages and ages and ages, which is another good Cory villain, to turn into my least favourite type of story, which is I'm in a love triangle with a bunch of people that I'm not interested in. It would be the only the, the only worst thing that could happen now is that Gary suddenly gives birth to a baby and then has to find a babysitter. <laughs> Those are the two most boring stories on Coronation Street. Love triangles and babies. Yes. When you were talking about mo- villains not being motivated by love, would you say that John Stape and Richard Hillman were though? Because a lot of what John did, he was doing it to protect fitness. And Richard Hillman was definitely all about you know, protecting his family. I know, but you can you can be protective of your family and not murder people. Millions of people do it every day. Fine. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You um, say, saying that I love someone so much and that's the reason I murdered somebody is not an excuse for murdering people. Yeah, okay, fine. Do you see what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So Maria's probably going to find out at some point about this confession of lo- love, isn't he? She's going to overhear something or... I, f- I feel sorry for her, but... She's like, such ha- an Half idiot. feel sorry for her, but half I don't because she is a massive doormat, isn't she? And she's, she's just a big she's idiot. She's blind to what she's seems to be hitting her in the face. She's basically gone, oh, I love Gary. Why do you love Gary? Oh, because he let me decorate our, our house in rose gold and peach. <laughs> Bought me a nice car. That's it? Yeah. Doesn't take much. All all of the relationships that the problem is he, here, Gary and Maria and Adam and Sarah, they're, they're all sort of so wobbly, aren't they? None of them are... They're nouveau amour, Michael. N- none of them are anything that's like, oh yeah, this is a really good relationship here. Who can get in, in between them? They, they've been put together purely for the sake of jumbling them around. At, Another Weatherfield washing machine. I, I think it is. So I... I think, and um, with, with Sarah now knowing... What, what I did find it exciting this week was Sarah finding out that Gary killed Rick. So I didn't know that that would happen. And when you saw the realisation on her face that, oh my gosh, what has he done? I thought that was a great moment because that, that was on Wednesday's episode, wasn't it? So now she knows his secret. However... Hmm. He knows her secret as well because yeah, he still knows. I told you this the other day. He still knows that she was complicit in the cover up of Callum's murder. She told him ages ago, and this is what four years ago, five years ago, maybe that this yeah. happened. I've lost. I've lost track. The thing is, but she, she yeah she told she bleakly him. Bleakly so. hinted at she she very um, obliquely hinted at it this episode. But it wasn't obvious that's what she was talking about. Mm. And before that, I don't think it's been mentioned for a while. Although it was maybe like a year ago or something, he he said it to her. I, I think it's... They've, they've kept it going for a little bit too long. And when they reveal it, the viewers are going to go, ah, does he he knows about that, does he? They've, they've not made it too this obvious. This is the opposite of what you... Like, when Callum died and got buried in Gail's granny annex... You were like, oh gosh, I hope that this gets revealed in like 10 years time and they dig the body up and wonder what this is. And in a way, you were, you were, you kind of have your wish now because this, this secret yeah. has been buried, metaphorically, for years. But unfortunately, it's not quite as salacious and, and visually obvious as, bury, as un, unearthing a corpse. Like the secret is so convoluted and confusing that even we who've been watching Coronation Street and talking about Coronation Street and writing about Coronation Street for years, 
having trouble following and keeping our tabs on. Who knows what? Who knows what and and why we should care? Because at this point, it feels as though it's been he said, she said, and everybody sort of knows, but nobody knows that everyone else knows. I think David knows. David knows. I I think Todd knows. (laughs) Ah, Uh, good point. um, But because at the moment, everybody else thinks that it was. Jason's dad that did it, I, I think. <laughs> yeah. He died of a heart attack. So basically, Gary can probably use this knowledge to keep Sarah Lou quiet because she's... I mean, to be honest, she... It was Kylie that killed Callum and Ka- Kylie's now dead, but David is the one he would want the secret to be kept. Yeah. Because apart he was from anything else, he yeah, he was involved, but also that's Max and Lily's mum. Yeah. And they don't know that their mum's a murderer and killed no. Max's dad. No. So, so that... he would not that want that to come out for that reason. Yeah. But so... you see what I mean? This is too, com- this is too complicated. So it, Sarah's maybe not going to tell the police, although she was going to. Because she, at the time, like when she, she was, was phoning tell the Gary... police... No, she, she phoned the police, didn't she? She was oh, going to yeah. speak to the police. What, this is when but what she died. didn't. No. What are you talking about? No, now, this week, on Wednesday, she, when she was running down the road, she was had the police on the phone, didn't she? She was going to tell them, I've just, I've found Rick Mead and Nia's murder, help I'm being chased by a ginger murderer. And what she didn't think was, hang on a minute, if I dob him in, he's going to, he's going to squeal about me keeping Callum under the annex. So now I think she's probably had time to think that, and maybe that's fair play that she hasn't thought well, about yeah, it. Well, yeah, exactly. But although, if I'd done that, and... It drove her insane, didn't it? It literally Remember, drove her. To, she got sectioned. I'd, I've, if I, I'm surprised she's not constantly thinking, when's Gary going to tell everybody? Because he's been keeping this secret for years now and he could, a- any time he wanted, and to be honest, if I was Gary, I'd have maybe mentioned it before now or at least threatened yeah, but... to mention it just to get, Ad- to get Sarah to get Adam off my back. Yes, but Gary is still in love with Sarah, so he's not going to say anything. Okay. If he's if he's willing to throw himself in front of a car to save her life, I don't know whether he's would be willing to go to the police or mm. but he might Risk be willing he might he might down. threaten to blackmail her but not I actually think, want to I don't think he would go through with it. Yeah, maybe he will. Maybe he's gonna say, Right, I'm gonna tell the police about you and Callum if you tell them about me. So it's going to be a stalemate situation and maybe she doesn't know whether he actually would go through with it. I know, but there's... And maybe he actually wouldn't. Isn't it for... so great when a really exciting story in Coronation Street ends with a stalemate? <laughs> that's, that's like the ultimate stall, stalling point for lots of these stories. And you just got to wait for somebody else to find out who doesn't give a crap about anybody and doesn't have a stake in it. Mm. Well, I mean, Adam doesn't know about Callum, does he? So he can find out maybe about... Gary and then unwittingly drop him in it or go to the police without knowing that by doing that he's also going to get Gary to tell the police about his wife here's a question for you do you think that even if Gary gets found out about killing Rick do you think it's necessarily going to be the case that it comes out about what actually happens to Callum I hope so I don't want it to be well the thing is if it doesn't come out now it's really no point in ever 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 coming out but at the same time it can only really come out if Gary tells everybody because there's no reason otherwise. Yeah. I just, I, I almost wish that I hadn't read it because I was just browsing around some social media stuff and somebody mentioned, doesn't Gary know about Callum? And I was like, ah, oh, yeah, he does. And then my mind started saying, okay, so this, 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 and this. So I, I, 
I don't know if I hadn't thought about it and we hadn't been discussing it now when it came out would that have been would that have been a, oh of course moment or would have been a huh does he know I forgot I, I don't know but I'm pretty convinced that that's what's going to happen now which in a way makes it a little bit less exciting because it's almost like I've in my head it's almost certain that that's going to happen and he's going to try and blackmail Sarah and he's going to use that so I hope that he does that soon because I hate it when I'm really really convinced I know what's going to happen it's like I just need it to happen this now. is what happened with wanna... Shona being Clayton's mum yeah yeah and we were like, we know, we know, just tell us. You like referencing that, don't you? You've got a real bugbear oh, about really? that Shona secret. It's That's like every my, my once bonnet. a month at least you bring that okay, up. Okay, do you remember when they... <laughs> so talking about knowing that big things are going to happen, this stunt then. Um, current Socially distanced. First ever socially distanced car stunt. That's what Coronation Street were calling it. And by gum, did they want us to know that they were the world's first socially distanced stunt? I'm going to say... They had a behind-the-scenes thing for it on, like, Monday morning, I think, and the stunt didn't even happen until Friday. Usually, at least, they have the courtesy to wait until the stunt has happened before they put the how we made it up on their social media. That was pretty bad. It was. I mean, I I guess it was to try and get people to want to watch it, but I've seen the video since, and it's like... I. Literally, the, the stunt was pretty short, as it is, yeah. because, again, it had to be. They couldn't make it, you know... Uh, 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 yeah, or whatever. Whatever. But th- don't show how they made it two days before you're actually <laughs> going to show the stunt. There must be other ways to get people excited by it. And I, I, I the, my problem on Wednesday, why I wasn't super gripped by it, was because I was thinking, I know that this is going to lead up to a stunt. And when Sarah and Adam were standing by the van, I was like... They're going to run and he's going to get hit by a car soon. When she was, when he was chasing her down the road, I was like, oh, here comes the car. I shouldn't be waiting all that time for a massive stunt. Well, this wasn't a massive stunt. A little stunt to happen. I want to be caught off guard by these things sometime. And I know that lots of listeners won't have known it was coming. But if you were anywhere on social media, really, looking at Corrie channels on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, surely you must have known that this stunt was coming along. I also think that they missed an opportunity to uh, wring a little bit of pathos out of the out of the fact that it was a socially distanced car accident because Sarah was sitting there and 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 looking at Gary and they were talking to each other afterward today after he got hit yeah and he was lying there and she was staring at him and she was on the floor and Tyrone sort of ran over and went oh should we put him in the recovery position and then ran away again but I didn't feel as though anybody really said the the obvious is like I wish I could I wish I could help you or am I allowed I would have loved to have had somebody gone oh god am I allowed to am I allowed to touch him or what do you know yeah, what I mean because considering this is, that they've been mentioning been it the everywhere theme, else this has been the theme of everybody's quarantine experience in this country for months since March or whatever. Am I allowed to do this in that situation? And we nobody knows the answer because the government is absolutely awful at communicating. And the answer is just, if you don't know, just don't do it, basically. But in a car crash situation, because we are still supposed to be keeping our distance from people that don't live in our household or are not in our bubbles of at least a metre or more, hopefully, 
in a, in, when somebody gets hit by a car crash, if they look, if they if they're sort of conscious, what are you supposed to do? Are if you supposed I'd been to hit go by a car and somebody was just across the road saying, go, "Sorry, mate, can't come I near know, you." You'd feel awful, you're bleeding a bit you? there. Look at that big spurt of blood. But you know I what didn't... I'm saying? If if it wasn't, I mean, Gary and Sarah is a bit of a different situation because I would have thought that Sarah would have run over to him. Yeah. Obviously, they can't do that because the actors can't. Even if the characters would have gone near each other, the actors can't. Mm. But I really, really thought that they missed the trick here yeah, by not, not, not mentioning really it. referencing, I don't know what to do. I, I guess I have to... And, I mean, if you wanted to play up Gary being the hero, it would certainly have made sense to have had him say, Sarah, don't come near me. And her going, but Gary, you're hurt. No, Sarah, you can't come near me. You know what I mean? But, I mean, he'd gone near her to push her out of the way of the car, hadn't he? Which was the mannequin uh, from Underworld, which was hilarious. That's what I, I, I think I mentioned. Well, no, they they did a really really good job. You, if they hadn't said Wells for a socially distant stunt, I wouldn't have known. I thought it looked absolutely fine. It wasn't the most exciting stunt that's ever been on Curry. Far from it. It was over and done before you know it. But um, it didn't look awkward. It didn't look all oh, these actors aren't within two metres of each other. I think the direction and everything was, was fantastic. It just wasn't a particularly exciting stunt. There's only so many times you can watch somebody get hit by a car on Coronation Street well, there's also only and still so many feel times anything. that you can actually wring any emotion out of the old, I'm going to push you out of the way and get run over by a car thing. I know, it has been you know, done to death, it's hasn't it? It's been a trope of, of fiction for God knows how long. Mm. Uh, Decades. Back, back in the olden days on Corrie, if somebody was hit by a car, that meant they're dead. That was a week's worth of Lisa episodes. Duckworth, Ida Barlow. Um, who else got hit by a car? Rainy Bradshaw. Uh, Joyce Smedley. Rainy Bradshaw. But, but nowadays, it's Roberts. just like this little, this little bump, isn't it? It's like, oh, they'll be, they'll be fine. I know, it's... I it, wasn't in any way at the end of Wednesday's episode, like I said, there you go, oh, is Gary going to survive? It's diminishing returns and it's difficult because you can't, you can't, you can't create more There's only a, cer- there's only a certain number of accidents that you can have yep. as well. You, you were saying to me the other day that you think it might have been more interesting if Sarah had been the one that got hit. Oh, yeah, I was like, oh, this... Because I didn't really think... I didn't really think much beyond... I can't remember why I said that now. You were saying... Because... What? What was I like, saying? <laughs> um, it'd be nice and convenient for Gary if she were hit and then you'd have the whole thing of like, oh, is he going to finish her off in hospital so that she takes a secret that? to the grave? I talk and... a lot of crap. I don't know. I just thought that Gary being hit... I think it's because I didn't really think about Callum because I was thinking, well, if Gary gets hit by a car, well, what say so what? It doesn't stop Sarah from doing anything. Is it just de- delaying the Whereas if, whatever happens if, next? If Sarah was hit, then Gary, yeah, because because Gary's now thinking, if Sarah gets hit, like, okay, I've bought myself some time now, yeah. what do I do? Yeah. And then you'd have him trying to think of something but the problem with the Gary as that as that character is that he doesn't have a confidant there's nobody for him to tell what he his plans or what he's thinking so at the moment we're getting around that because he's got Sharon and Laura mm. and he doesn't really have much to do yeah he hasn't really got any plans until Laura came along and started digging I mean Sarah's come, Sarah's come along and 
now she knows this. Now, now, now we're kind of missing a confidant for Gary because we don't know what he's thinking and we don't know what he's going to do. Mm. So now he's in the hospital bed and he's basically out of action. And then now, now the the impetus is on Sarah to decide what to do. Mm. And I do wonder whether she is going to talk to. It would make sense if she spoke to David and said, "Gary knows," because I don't think yeah. David knows that Gary knows. I can't remember. See, this is the trouble about this. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. The fact that they had David in today's episode when they didn't really need him to be there. I don't think his, he added anything apart from no. the usual snarky one-liners. But but the fact that he that he and Sarah share a secret, share a secret that now Gary knows. Yeah. Because <laughs> but I could... Gary, but so so Sarah would have to say, listen. I think that Gary's killed Rick Nealon, but but he knows that that Kylie killed Callum. So what should I do? And Gar- David would be like, "Well, bloody hell, don't do anything because what do you care about Rick Nealon? Mm. Nothing. What is he to you? Nothing. He's a villain. He's a criminal. He deserves it. We can't let anybody find out what happened because yeah. they wouldn't understand because they weren't there." Yeah. Okay, interesting, interesting. I don't know. Kind of interesting. I'm, I'm still not mega sold on this story. I hope it's, I hope it's going to wrap up soon, but I don't think it will. But well, I mean, part of this will probably wrap up soon because it's. But again, it's just the end of a chapter, won't it? It would be yeah. the end of the chapter, but justice still hasn't been served. If we get to the end of this little mini bit of the story and Sarah decides not to tell anybody, but how is she going to convince Adam? She's going to have to tell Adam what happened. Mm. Will 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 David forbid her from telling him, and then will, um, will then Gary and Adam, I mean Sarah and Adam, will they then become sort of enemies in this plot? Will it drive him to Laura? I don't know because he wants justice, doesn't he? He wants he wants to get one over on Gary. Yeah. But the ultimate reason why Gary and Adam hate each other is because they're fighting over Sarah. Mm. It would be ironic if he drove Sarah away in in his quest for revenge against Gary. But it certainly sounds like something. There's also Adam Imran as well, who's not really been part of the story this week, has he? But nope. he's also keen to see Gary get what's coming. It's to such him. a complicated story. Yeah. Um, just one other thing before we move on to the next story I, I note, wrote, wrote down here that Sarah and Adam we know where they're going to go and live now they're moving into the Red Bank apartments which is the ones um, above Speed Dial isn't it the one that Claudia was living in so but did we see still not inside there. there no so we haven't seen inside Red Bank apartments no, no. And the, at the end of the week they're still not there maybe there we'll have to wait and see right Yasmin's storyline at last, Gemma. I'll pass it over to you to let us know what's Poor been going on. Poor old Yasmin. As we know, last week she collapsed before she had to go to her trial. And on Monday, she's in the hospital and Alia goes to visit her. She's very weak. Alia says, you've had a funny turn, which I think is a weird way of breaking it to somebody that had a heart attack. <laughs> and she says... The trial's being postponed, but it might help us to find Elaine. Talking about funny, I I liked Yasmin's line at the end of the of that scene where she's like, "Is there a guard outside?" Oh, there goes my escape plan. <laughs> I know she's so funny. <laughs> so then we cut to the cabin, and Elaine walks in on Mary. Yeah, Mary's in full on storytelling mode about something or other yeah I don't, I don't know if there's only supposed to be one person in the shop at a time i don't know well, no, elaine elaine's at the door saying oh am i allowed in they made a big thing about that how many people are you allowed in the shop at i've once? done that lots of times walking in the shop and i'm like am i allowed in the shop mm, and, and they always doesn't. look at you and go yeah yeah of course you are and you're like oh sorry i thought there was a pandemic mary does a funny little shuffle to get out the door which i like 
So she asks Kathy if she overheard um, about Yas because she heard that Yasmin's child was today, and Kathy's the one that says Yasmin has had a heart attack. Mm. And Elaine says, um, "Did everybody take Yasmin's side?" when this happened because a similar thing happened to me and Kathy didn't follow this up with what the hell are you talking about do you mean that you stabbed your husband in the neck with a wine bottle um because that would have been my first question but Mm -hmm. Kathy just uh, actually answers the question and says not really we all made mistakes and the only person supporting Jeff now will be his son Tim and Elaine's like whoa and Elaine had seen Tim last week hadn't we I think we were and kicked the bucket we made a few predictions about that. Ali and Ryan talk about trying to find Elaine Jones, who happens to have just walked past them. And this is when Ryan actually uses his brain for once. He puts two and two together from when he saw her spying on Jeff in the last episode. He, like, runs over to her in the most terrifying manner. Well, it was because they'd just been walking down the street on opposite ends, hadn't they? Obviously, yeah. the two actors social distancing, and, uh, which, which was odd considering the characters live in the same house together. And then, he, yeah, he runs full pelt down the road towards Elaine. No wonder she looked terrified when he got up to her. He probably thought, she probably thought he was going to give her COVID. Never mind. Well, yeah, because even if you stop talking about Jeff, two metres away, he's still puffing and puffing everywhere. Exactly. Aren't you? And he looks like the sort of person he is a harbinger of germs. <laughs> so um, he says, "Are you Elaine Jones? Did you used to go out with Jeff Metcalf?" Which is such a funny question to ask an old lady. <laughs> um, Alia and Ryan try to convince Elaine, who is terrified, to, to talk to them about what happened. So they go sit in Victoria Gardens, and she reveals her secrets. And, and another um, excellent performance from she's, she's so Paula good. Wilcox. She's, she is one of the best um, sort of guest appearances they've ever had on Corrie. She's excellent. She really, She's really literally is. one of the best actors they've ever had on this show. I know. It, it does stand out, doesn't it? Really stand out performance. So she says, I was married to Jeff for two years before I got divorced and my name used to be Philippa. I don't know why they've they've done this. I don't know why she her name was secretly Philippa, but it's really now she's pretending to be Elaine. Because at no point did anybody ever mention either of those names in conjunction I can't, to. Jack I can't previously. remember whether Philippa had or not. It it felt like the only reason that that was a thing is to try and delay this reveal for like two or three episodes. If if she'd come in last week and said, "Yes, it's me, Philippa." Maybe some, maybe we just said, hang on a minute, Philip, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. But the thing is, we have been told previously that Jeff's mum's, Jeff's, Tim's mum was Tessa. Yes. But actually, we get, we found out, we find out now that she is, she's Philippa and that is actually Tim's. She's actually Tim's mum and she... Not Tessa. Tessa sort of adopted Tim when he was young after after Philippa walked out. Yeah, because Philippa, I think this is revealed on Wednesday, Philippa was married to Jeff and then she came home one day to find Tessa right. in bed with Jeff. So she dumps him and leaves the baby with those two. Right. I think. Yeah, and let's, let's just... So Tim grows up thinking that Tessa's his mum. Yeah, she, she talks about, she tells Alia about how she was mentally abused by Jeff, made her feel scared and miserable, made me hurt, made me hate myself. And then she says, I had to move away from him and my son. Yeah, yeah that, that was the reveal at the end. So, so that was the, yeah, that was the end of Monday's episode. So um, Wednesday we get Alia sort of being miserable about poor Yasmin and Elaine rings her up about 
about she's feeling guilty and she's like oh um how is Yasmin I I would hate it if she thought I wasn't trying to help her um yeah and she died what if she dies it's like, you're talking to her granddaughter her. don't phone up someone's granddaughter and go god I hope your I hope your grandma doesn't die because I would feel bad about it <laughs> <laughs> so um so Alia says well, what you asked me what would happen if, if Yasmin dies, I'll tell you. Jeff gets everything. Jeff would win. He gets the business, he gets the house, he gets everything. And the stairs... Even the chickens. What, and imagine and what, what he would what do. What he would do to them, yeah. Elaine then promises, and this stirs her, to, to say she'll do whatever it takes. And maybe it's about time, but Tim has... Here's the truth. So you can imagine how that goes. She immediately goes to see Tim at um, Taxi. Office, yeah. yeah. And she reveals herself as his mum. I thought this is a really tragic scene because she's really quite excited to tell him, isn't she? For, so far, uh, most of what we've seen of Elaine is this nervous wreck of a woman. She does really this kind come of alive, twittering, she? Terrified. Twitching yeah, bird she woman. is. Like, looking at, like as if she's Jeff fragile. could pounce at she her is. She's like at a any fragile. moment. He's like the cat. Yeah. Like a big, fat, self-satisfied, grinning treasure cat. And then you've got Elaine slash Philippa, who's like a vulnerable little bird who's who's scared and shivering in the snow. Yeah. And then when she actually goes to Tim, that's like the happiest we've seen her ever, yeah. isn't she? Like, she comes oh. alive. Because and, and she, she thinks. I, I don't know what she thinks. I mean, whether she thought that just, Tim's going to fling his arms around her, even though he's not allowed to. She must have thought about this day for a lot of her... Or maybe she tried not to think about it. Maybe she'd never dared to hope that she would ever actually get to tell him. Mm. So she she says, um, she reveals that she's his mum. And she also says, Jeff's lied to to him all of his life. And this is what really sets him off. She is going to testify in Yasmin's case. Now, don't know if this combination of things is far too much for Tim to handle all at once. Maybe he could have handled it if she had said, I'm your mum. Maybe he could have... But 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 adding in your dad's a horrible man, and I'm gonna testify against him. Too much information. <laughs> she says, Tess, who thought that you thought was your mum, who died of breast cancer. Mm. Um, she was my best friend until I found her in bed with Jeff, and um, I I I think yeah he they basically split up and then Yasmin you haven't written this very well at all am I my notes no good for you Tessa you've written Tess was my mum best friend until I found him in bed with her throws her out Yasmin doesn't stand a chance in court Alia tries to make him listen but he's in no mood to listen yeah, I that didn't, sentence I didn't doesn't turn make the, any sense I think those are my notes that I didn't turn into a sentence yeah Tim starts um, at, Tim's like no I'm not listening to you yeah. I don't believe you you're not my mum and then chucks her out of the she sort of flees hmm. and um Alia's like he's not good she she sees Alia and says he's not gonna listen to me and basically um basically Alia's trying to like it doesn't matter what he says you need to just testify in court but Elaine loses her nerves runs off to the tram stop but Alia's like don't worry I'm, I'm sure we'll see her again and I'm sure she's gonna do the right thing Tim then goes to Jeff and says Hey, Dad, why some crazy lady come and told me that she's my mum? And um, this was uh, the second half of the, the episode is Friday. And Jeff is just denying the whole thing. He's like, no, I don't know what she's talking about. 
your mum was Tessa. She died a long time ago, even though she was a bone idol waster. And he said a word. What did he say? He said a special word. I don't know. He said that she was something. She, she, he calls her all things, doesn't he? he? He's making out that she was some terrible woman and he had to pick up all the slack when Tim was a baby and um, she wouldn't do oh, anything. She said and... he, she, he said that she was a dipsomaniac, which actually is a historical term, which means that you're an alcoholic. Oh, there we go. So, um, yeah, so he basically, like, yeah, even though she was a bone-eyed or lazy-wasted space alcoholic, I, I wish she was alive. I can't remember why he said that. But, um, and he says, look, I reckon whoever this crazy bint is, it was Arlie and Sally who have made her say this. So, Tim tells Sally about this in the house, and Sally's like, huh? Mm, interesting. And Tim, I think, was expecting Sally to go... Gosh, she sounds like a lunatic. Would you like fish fingers for dinner? But she says, hmm, what if she was telling the truth and Jeff has lied? And Tim's like, no, what are you talking about? I don't know why Tim thought that Sally would agree with him. He knows that Sally hates Jeff. I mean, he's just had this massive bombshell dropped on him. Whether, true or not, I think he's going well, yeah, to tell it his wife sense. anyway. I know, but he knows. Even though they've really not been you know, singing they the don't same see eye to eye storyline. About Jeff's parenting of him. And you said a really good thing. Did you write it down about the... Oh, no, I just... You, oh, right. you asked me why he hadn't ever looked at his birth certificate. Well, and this I said is, he probably had, but couldn't read it. This is a really good point, And I think... Coronation Street has redeemed itself for this ridiculous Tim can't read storyline with all of this because Jeff's a, Jeff is a raging narcissist and, and sociopath who went through a series of women and let's be fair, women do the majority of childcare, especially for the, of the generation of Tim's, Tim's age, children of Tim's age. Mm. So Jeff certainly wouldn't have been involved in, in, in learning, teaching him anything. And the women that had been in the house have been sort of coming and going and been far too busy being abused by Jeff to probably care, care about Tim enough but to teach him to read or to perhaps even notice because Tim picked up some very good um, camouflaging skills to trying to hide the fact he couldn't read. But the very fact of the matter is that this could be solved, it could have been solved ages ago by Tim looking at his birth certificate and saying, hang on a minute, it doesn't say Tessa's my mum, it says Philippa, who's the hell is Philippa? Of course he hasn't seen his birth certificate because he probably hasn't had a reason to look at it since he was a kid. Because when you're little, I think you probably remember getting to see a birth certificate and sort of reading it and realising, you know, how important mm. and exciting it was. He wouldn't have been able to understand what it said. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, he would have. Because so this... he's, been, he's been working for himself for all this time and... I guess you. I guess you need it for some things, but are you suggesting that this uh, is a long you... game? Jeff's plan all along was to deny Tim the chance of education, just so that he would never find out the the deep dark. It truth doesn't explain of who his real mum is. It doesn't explain anything apart from why Jeff, why Tim hasn't seen this on his birth certificate. That's the only thing it doesn't explain. Yeah, that's the only thing that sorry it explains. I don't. I don't think we're supposed to. Uh, I don't think, think we're supposed to think about, about this. It. <laughs> it also makes me wonder: what do you need? What do you need to go to get married? Do you need to bring a birth certificate? I can't remember. And you must need it to get a passport to go to Las Vegas to get married secretly. Well. Well, listen. It doesn't matter. That is that is a plausible explanation for why <laughs> Tim doesn't know that his mother is called Philippa and not Tessa, because you can't change that on the birth certificate. No. Anyway. 
Oh, Jeff could have just said it. he's lost the birth certificate. I don't think you can just lose your birth certificate. <laughs> Elaine meets Arlia in Speed Doll and, and they talk about how messy the situation is. But Arlia says, listen, everything's falling into place. Just don't give up now. I thought that scene was odd because it we were left on pointless. Wednesday with um, Elaine scurrying off to the tram stop. And I, I kind of thought that it'd be like, oh, we're not going to see her again on Friday. And, and maybe maybe she's going to go into hiding because this is all too much for her. But she was just back, wasn't she? And, she? and they went down into Speed Dial and not much happened apart from she was like, blimey, this is... This is just, Hotting up. Yeah, exactly. This is ramped up a bit. This is scary. I, I'm out. And Ali says, no, don't. I, that's, that's the thing that well, seems then, I don't know. I don't know why... I'm, I'm wondering whether something nefarious is happening or will happen to Elaine. Yeah, because she now gets tracked by Jack. So, so, so... Are, is Ali going to be the last person to have seen... Elaine, because we don't know what happens to Elaine. Elaine's trotting along down the street. Uh, the other side of the street, because she leaves Speed Dial, doesn't she? And then the next thing we see her, she's down by the post box at the other end of she's, Coronation And she's street. walking towards the pub. Yeah. I feel like we're doing a crime watch. Um, <laughs> Reconstruction. Reconstruction. She's she must trotting... have gone from Speed Dial to Devs, even though it would have made sense for her to have gone to the co-op. <laughs> She's like, I don't support the co-op's fair trade initiatives. <laughs> she goes to, she goes, she's, she's by devs. She's walking along the road. She's trotting towards, in the direction of the rovers. She's looking all over the place like she's being haunted by a ghost. And it is quite theatrical, but she, she's so good at acting. She doesn't really natural, but she's yeah. like, she's kind of throwing her arm out and sort of peering around like she's <laughs> expecting him to jump out and she's correct because Jeff does t- come around the corner he's standing where Audrey's is he peers around the corner he sees he sees Elaine and he, he ducks back and he's like God damn God damn yeah, that very theatrical again. Fuming. It didn't take him long to recognise her, considering that he hasn't seen this woman for fifty years. He needed a brief glance at her from the opposite side of the street, yeah, well, like fifty been... metres away, to go. That's her. Would have been different if Tim hadn't told him that Elaine was on the case. Maybe, maybe I suppose. So, so he, so he's easier. He's like, God damn it! Um, and then he, he sort of like as he has a little tantrum, and then he t- looks back around. And he's looking, and he, he can't see her. We see the, the rover's door close, but I don't know if Jeff does. But then he looks at the rovers, and he logically thinks, if, he sh- if I can't see her, she must have gone in there. There's nowhere else that she could have gone. Once an alky, always an alky. She's a diptom- dip- diphtheria <laughs> maniac. What is it? I can't remember. So he goes into the rovers, and Jenny's there playing darts. She's bored because in Weatherfield land... You can't go into pubs still. No, you can go in, but you can only get things to take away. You yeah, can't stay that's in what I meant. Yeah, yeah, you can't stay in the so pub. So she's literally just staying there in the hope that somebody will come in and order a That somebody's going to forget that devs and the co-op exist and sells alcohol. Yeah. So she... I think you I think you can probably sit in the garden. Um, yeah, you can. There's a sign at the uh, by the jukebox in the Rovers that says, can you exit by the back entrance One or way. something like that. <laughs> so... He goes in the rovers, talks to Jenny, and it pretends that he's only in there to pick up a very expensive bottle of wine. And he makes he assume... makes some chit chat, doesn't he? He does that creepy thing where he says that he that she reminds him of his mum. 
And, yeah. then, and then and then at the end, he's like, oh, as soon as this is all over, I'm going to give you a big hug, Jenny, or should I say mum? It's like... Did he say mummy? Something like that, yeah. It's like, Ooh. it's creepy. When you think that Jeff can't get any creepier, he's... Yeah. The thing is, though, like, somebody else could say that joke and it'd be quite funny or sweet or silly. But the way he says it, it's just the, the most horrible... I know, and then as soon as he leaves, Jenny gets the hand sanitizer. To... Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> she should have just attacked him with it. Disgraceful. But he doesn't leave before asking her whether she has any guests. And we get to find... We get a little mini development in the Scott storyline and we find out that he's gone. <laughs> yes, yeah, so that storyline's also been put on hold for the moment alongside so, so the So we've Shona lost one. Shona and we've lost Scott. Yeah. And two more victims of COVID-19. He realises that... Uh, and Johnny is supposedly... I guess he's still in France now. What's and he's... quarantine in French? Oh, don't put me on the spot. Le, le quarantine. <laughs> so, he, so he... Yeah, he finds this out because he, he, he's thinking... Philippa's gone in here. Yeah. Elaine's gone in here. She's now staying there somehow. But Jenny puts him straight on that. He leaves. It's literally just her on her own in the whole pub. It would be so boring. I know. I quite like it. Um, he sees Elaine at the tram stop and he grimaces at her from Villain's Alley. Yes, and that's where it's left, isn't it? So he gives that look. He's very good at putting her like a little frowny face, yeah. isn't he? He's, there's something mouth. a bit sinister about seeing people's bottom teeth. Mm. It's, it's you don't like see a, it very often. It's like dog in it. <laughs> so it, it, he he is actually the last person to see her, but I mean, Ali also thinks that she's. Well, the we last don't know what's going to gonna happen her. now. I mean, I mean if it looks Jeff like could he's... just watch her leave, and then she comes back next week and says to Ali, "I've decided not to." Or I have decided that, that look like uh, I'm going to follow you sort of look he was giving murder her. You. Yeah. Do you reckon? It, yeah. But, but I don't want him to murder her in the same way that I was very reluctant for Pat Phelan to turn into a murderer. If that if the story goes down this route, it it kind of overshadows, in a way, all of the other nasty Well, it also stops he... becoming a story about coercive control, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Because, because with the best will in the world, as horrible as it is, and... And as nasty as people are who are abusive, they're certainly certainly not the same league as murderers. Yeah. And just because you just because you manipulate people in relationships doesn't mean that you're also capable of killing somebody. No, he and he's not shown violent tendencies, has he? I mean, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if. Well, he's been in a few altercations with women, hasn't he? Because he had that report, the police report, and he blamed it on the lady. Yeah, but I think maybe Alia might. If if Elaine goes a well, maybe Alia will accuse him of murdering her. But I think he's gonna tr- he's gonna try and follow her. But I think he'll bonk her on the head with a bottle of twelve ninety five white. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, might be. Um, so anyway, but I I thought that these developments were were okay this week. Did I I saw a few people saying that the development or the the twist of Elaine being Tim's mum was obvious, and I don't think it was. No, well, we talked about it, didn't we? When when she said, I, you know, I used to be in a relationship with Jeff and and you were saying maybe she's his mum and I was saying, well, his mum's not called that, his mum's Tessa, she's dead. Maybe she... We were having a really protracted conversation about can you pretend to be dead of breast cancer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, We didn't ever think that Tessa wasn't really... Tim's mum. We were just trying to work out how Elaine could have been Tessa. 
It and was one of these things happened. that was done that kind of feels a bit like retconning, but it's not completely retconning. Like the whole thing about oh, I found Tessa in bed with Jeff, it felt like that wasn't always the original plan no, for that no, character. Yeah, but I agree with you. I don't. I a mean, handy yes, affair I can makes see, it slot into place. I can. I also. Yeah, I don't. Don't think that. I don't. Believe, I don't buy that as a reason that somebody who's being abused would necessarily leave their partner. I can't remember whether she said that that was the final straw that drove her away. It may, it may well have been. It might just have been a case of like Jeff does no long no longer cares. Like, well, mm. he's invested in manipulating and controlling a woman if they're in a relationship together. But as soon as he decided to move on to Tessa, he couldn't give two hoots about well, Philip. Yas- Yasmin finding out about Jeff's dalliances with the prostitutes wasn't Sex enough working. to drive him away, her away, was it? Certainly, they're different. What did you think about the fact that Elaine has abandoned Tim? I mean, she obviously felt very guilty about it, but she couldn't have been that guilty about Don't it be because so this is the first mean. time in 50 years that she's ever come anywhere near him. This is a very difficult situation to judge somebody about because, number one, it's not like she left Tim with, you know, a camp of wild wolves. Tessa was her best friend or friend, one of her friends. Presumably, she had a high a high opinion of Tessa before she realised she was an adulterous slapper. Just because you you sleep around doesn't mean you're a bad parent. So perhaps um, Philippa thought, Elaine thought, I'll leave them together because I think Tessa would be a good mum. Maybe I mean he, we don't know what Tessa and Tim's relationship was. Tessa could have been brilliant with Tim. I'm going to give Elaine the benefit of the doubt and say that she thought, I'm not abandoning... I'm not abandoning my son to an adulteress and an abuser. I'm saving myself from a situation and leaving my son in the hands of a woman I can't trust, but I think would look after... Mm. look after his best interest and obviously cares about him. I don't know. It's difficult I wonder because... How, I, I wonder how long it, doesn't really it takes make sense. for it to leave your mind I mean, okay, did you say this forget. week like mean? oh I've been thinking about it all the time or you've never stopped like, thinking it, about it your child it starts to become normal doesn't it what not being with your child after a while if you've abandoned I don't think you can it say that. How I don't, can you say that I don't know I don't think you can say that mm. I think it depends on what the reason why you left the the child some people maybe yeah because they're they don't have a, an attachment yeah. But the the reason that Elaine left wasn't because she didn't have an attachment to Tim. Mm. It's I I I I find it a bit unfortunate that they've written this as the reason why Philippa Elaine left. Makes you wonder though why why she didn't just take Tim. I know. Away from Jeff. <laughs> like did she only escape was there only one opportunity for her to escape and she had to take it and it meant that she couldn't take Tim? Because the way she tells it is like, my husband was mean to me and then I found him cheating so I left. But really, it's more... It really, to do justice to the story and to her character and to justify this the story in general, it should have been, he was so abusive to me, somebody helped me to realise that I should leave but when I tried to go, he wouldn't let me take Tim. So I had to go without Tim and I regret it every day. But I had to do it for myself. And I think that I did the right thing. 
Well, I think that's or kind I of. Know. I think that's kind I of what think, she said. No, I don't like this justification about. I, I found him in bed with my with my because if you can leave somebody because they're cheating on you, then you can leave them because they're being abusive. He's like she was either being coerced, she was either being controlled, or she wasn't. Mm. I don't know. It's, it was, she seemed pretty messed up by the whole the whole thing. Maybe that's why she didn't take him because she knew that she was in no fit mental state to like even to look hear, after her own child. I would really like to have heard a, bit, a more comprehensive explanation as to why she left him behind. Well, I, I'm, I'm hoping that now she's on the scene, we're going to delve a lot deeper into Tim and Jeff's backstory. Unless Jeff's murdered her. Yes, I guess so. I don't, I don't think... He, I, I hope not. I want her to stay... She's not going to stay in it forever, is she? She's only a guest star, but... Uh, I, I hope that we haven't seen the last of her. Yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to, to discover more about... Um, about their past together. Anyway. And what's all this about Tim's brother? She, he said, um, that was when she said, um, I had a, I had a child. I can't, I can't remember. It's like, she said he's her only child. Yeah. But before then she, she said, she mentioned, um, she used to be married to, uh, Jeff and they had a child together and Tim obviously doesn't think that's him. So he's like, well, my dad never had any child. I didn't have a brother. And she said, no, I'm not talking about a brother, I'm talking about you. And that, that only, I only mentioned that because um, on the, it, we have been led to believe in the past in Coronation Street that Tim's had two brothers. Oh. That they seem to have been conveniently forgotten about. Right, for, okay. for this story. But who knows. Um, so, anything else? What did you think of Tim's reaction to it? Were you expecting Tim the, to... Tim's, I, yeah, I hate Tim, so whenever he's, Every time Tim doesn't believe Jeff, I I say all all he needs to turn, you know, for, for him to say no, that's enough. I'm I'm going to turn against Jeff now. Is X Y and Z, and then X Y and Z happens, and he still sticks doggedly with his dad, doesn't he? Because I I thought maybe that when she came along, or when when somebody from Jeff's past came along, he might suddenly realise. But he, he doesn't seem like he's going to, does he? No, I mean, he, he reacted completely naturally, and you would do if you already... The thing is, now he's entrenched, and he's already been tested. And you'd think that the more people bring you evidence that your dad is lying, the more you would start to believe them. But really, it just becomes a matter of denial. And once you've invested yourself in that level of denial, you have really, to protect yourself mentally, you're going to keep going with that, with that, like... It makes sense to me that Jeff was like, no, you're not my mum. My mum's dead. Why would my dad lie to me? Why would any... Why? I mean, even if, say, even if Jeff is... Was mean to Jasmine, because yeah, I don't think Tim still really understands what coercive control is, what it means, what it does to people. And I don't know why you would know, because nobody's bothered to take the time to try and explain it to him. Alia's shrieking at him that his he was mean to her, her gran is certainly no explanation mm. of the very complicated psychological manipulation that Yasmin has been under all this time. So just because, even if even if he would admit to himself that Jeff is has been mean to Yasmin and that's why she attacked him with a bottle... Mm. How does that track to and also your mum's not really your mum and and your dad lied about it? What how would the do those thing two things really go together? And why would Tim go? Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm, yeah. No. Yeah, I think you're right. You're right. Poor Elaine. 
feel sorry for her. Don't right. feel sorry for Tim, though. <laughs> I feel sorry for Elaine because she's Tim's mum. Let's finish off with the Bailey story, which I thought was actually quite nice. And, it, and in, in the midst, the, the massive drama of the Gary storyline and the, and the Jeff storyline, this is a really nice little slice of life and very, very relevant feeling story, even though, you know, it, it was written and performed, when was it, six, seven, eight weeks ago. Um, I, I just really, really enjoyed this. And not a whole lot happens, but it's all about let's celebrate Aggie for being one of our brave NHS heroes, really, wasn't it? And some much-needed character moments between Aggie and Ed. So basically, on Monday, we find out um, from Ed that Aggie's been having to take the bus to work because the car's knackered. He's trying to get Abby to fix it and he's just feeling completely useless because she's working so hard to to save everybody and he can't even give her a lift in. And Abby says, it's all right, you can have Kevin's car to uh, drive her into work tomorrow, which nothing really comes out of that. But I did like it how Aggie, uh, Abby um, was, the, was the one to recognise all the hard work that, Abby, that Aggie is doing. Abby and Aggie are too, sound too similar. Um, and Ed then um, comes to the decision that he wants to do a special Zoom um, Pearl anniversary party for her on whatever day, Wednesday and Friday's episodes we were supposed to be um, set on. So um, the day of the anniversary comes and Aggie's already gone to work, has missed her special breakfast from Ed, but he's like, never mind, I'm going to give her an evening to remember. So the plan is that she's going to be home with him and Michael and James, and then all the rest of the Bailey family are going to be live via video link and they'll have a socially distanced party over the internet together. So they go to the Rovers to get a load of booze, which they seems that they only want to do to show off to their Uncle Raymond. Um, Jenny suggests that they have a synchronised cork pop as soon as Aggie comes in from work. Um, but alas, Aggie's not coming back. She uh, does a little video call at the end of the episode and says and says, sorry, I'm not going to be able to come back. And it's like, oh, it's our anniversary. You, you need to persuade your bosses. You've been working so hard. Can't they just let you have some time off? And this is when she reveals that she's having to self-isolate because one of her colleagues on the ward has got COVID. And Ed's obviously devastated by that. And he's like, oh, this is going to be our night. Everyone's expecting you. And she's like, what do you mean, everybody? And initially... Aggie goes, absolutely... Yeah, she thinks that he's hosting a massive party. She's like, no, what do you mean? Because she, she's been working so hard to try and protect all these... To try and save all these people. And, and some of them have obviously been not socially distancing and they've caught this and it's like you, we, everybody needs to stay away from each other you need to follow the government guidelines and there you are throwing this shindig no what how are you doing and he says no it was going to be a going to be a zoom party i don't think zoom gets mentioned does it no but, um that's what everyone's everyone's calling it these days and she and then she says that's a lovely idea and starts tearing up about that um she also says here as well that she's seen terrible things I think she said that on fr- on today's she says episode. It, she says it on Wednesday as well. Uh, yeah. This is on Wednesday because she says, I've seen terrible things and I've seen it happening to people that look like me. Mm. And I think this was a um, reference to the fact that a lot of people in the... Well, I don't... It, BAME, I want to say, but I don't know if that's how you say it or if you say B-A-M-E because I've never heard anybody say it in real life. But apparently that's also a controversial black and ethnic minority yeah. group. Um, a lot of a lot of people from that community have been disproportionately affected, not just in this country but in other countries. Yeah. I think that was a reference to the fact that she's saying yeah, that she's seen this, yeah. and it obviously is going to really hit you hard and mess with your head if you're watching this happen. Mm. 
Yeah. So Friday, we didn't actually get to see a whole lot of it. There was just some, a few long scenes with Ed initially talking about how he and Aggie got together. And... I just imagine that this the script, initial script, was just like character development, Bailey. It was. He just says... That it this was, was, wasn't it? it was and I like... remember her dad and he didn't think I was good enough for her. And he's just basically thoroughly miserable about the whole situation. But then Michael has a genius idea. And it does kind of make sense. And it's like, why hadn't they thought about this straight away? This but is what I said. They could just have a Zoom party and she could also be over the phone. This is what I said on Wednesday. Why is she kicking off? Why is the party ruined? She's just another person who's on the end of the Zoom call. It's a socially distanced party already. It's not the same, I mean... It's not it, quite what it, he had intended, but it's absolutely... You want to be there with your wife on no, your No, I know, but it's already but... set up for you to be isolated, love. What are you moaning about? Just mm. get get the bloody mini bar out. <laughs> well, it's your 30th anniversary, you can have whatever you want, open the macadamia nuts. In the end, they just had a nice little scene between Ed and Aggie, um, and he was there surrounded by all his booze, and she was there on the phone in front of him, and um, it turns out that Michael's... Michael and or James had taken some pearl earrings to her or taken them to the hospital to give to her, which was Ed's gift for her. And She's in a just, hotel. They just... Oh, sorry, a hotel, yeah. And they also they were both about... having special Rover's hot pot. Yes. Which was one of the things that we were promised would happen when they prepared for how they were going to deal oh, yeah. with... Um, takeaway hot pot. Takeaway hot pot from the Rovers. Yeah, they just talk about how much they miss each other and everything. I thought it was really, really, really sweet stuff. I... As 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 I say, a quiet moment among all the rest of the drama. I I really appreciated it, and I think that the Baileys, or those two particularly, if they've been together for thirty years, then that outdoes every other couple on the street by a good you know twenty plus years, doesn't it? So it was nice to have something that helped us to believe that they've been together and in love with each other for all this time because we, we've seen precious little of that yeah. since the Baileys have arrived it, and I think it, it was it really helped me to get to know the characters and, and like the characters and believe in the characters a lot more just those those few little scenes just between the two of them I thought it was it lovely was also a clever and appropriate way of I think this whole story was so neat because we get to see the impact of the NHS on the NHS staff of COVID-19. We get to see what happens when somebody quarantines away from their family. We get to see Aggie addressing the fact that black and ethnic minority people have been disproportionately affected by COVID-19. We get to see more character development between Aggie and Ed. And it's not just a boring party that's a surprise party and the plot is don't tell Aggie there's a party mm. and she gets mad because she thinks Ed's forgotten, etc, etc. But there's actually a really, a, a kind of interesting story that goes along with it. And the whole thing ends up with them talking to each other over the phone and it does make sense that they're reminiscing because they're apart from one another. Mm. Yeah, it was, it was it all... It was so it was very, very neatly very, done. It was, yeah, it was. And... And, and, and I'm not necessarily expecting the story to go any further from here no, as it well. Need I mean, to, I don't think. It, it could go down the route that, oh, Aggie gets COVID, but I, I don't think it needs to. I think it was literally a, this is going to be our first week back. Now we've started filming again. Let's, oh, and we've got a character who's let's a nurse. Let's address this. Yeah, let's address this in a, in a, oh no, the, the party's um, in peril. Oh, but it's all right and they have a happy ending. It was, it was really. Just nice and sweet, and, and, and that's all we need, really. Yeah. And we get to see, we get more character development. We get to see them investing in egg, egg, egg and Addy. <laughs> <laughs> I 
we get to see them investing in them as characters. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great stuff. I I really really did enjoy that. And where whilst and I still I completely buy them as a couple. They feel very natural. Yeah. Charismatic with one another, very comfortable, very sweet. They suit each other. They look like they've been married for thirty years. Yeah, they're so comfortable around each other. Yeah. Exactly, I, I agree. And uh, I buy them, more, even though they're new characters, and we haven't seen 30 years of them, their marriage, I buy them as a couple more than I buy a lot of the other couples on the street that have been together longer in the no, show. No, I totally here. agree, totally, totally. Let's, let's see a bit more of that, please, Coronation Street. So whilst the other two stories kind of started off on highs and then I got a bit less interested in them as the week went on, this, although it never reached the highs that the others did didn't disappoint me it was just nice and sweet and lovely for the rest of the week because I think with the with the Yasmin story I don't know it, it just didn't feel like it moved very far on say Wednesday and Friday I know there was the whole mum revelation but that didn't happen not much no, happened there no I thought there. Wednesday was good I really thought that it, it was because of Paula Wilcox she, she, she she's was been great, great. But, uh, I, yeah, I thought that the bit with um oh you I'm just your the, and, and the scenes like on today's where she where the scene in Speed Dial with Alia, I didn't think much happened there. Um, no, that seemed to be a bit of um. Perhaps this will become apparent later why they put this or in yeah. because I don't think we need to be reminded of it when it only happened on Wednesday. Yeah, and then and then on today's episode with the Gary story, it was just like the usual post accident. Oh, is he going to be okay? Everyone's forgotten he's going out with Maria, including him. Yeah. So... I kind of forgot that they were going out with each other. I know, I know. Um, So, I I gave last week's four and a half, and it seemed like that felt quite high. You you gave her a four, gave it a four, didn't you? And I think a lot of the Facebook group gave it... um, fours as well, rather than the fours and a half. Oh, we forgot to say how this, this week began with Mary singing from a balcony... Oh yeah, I did, didn't I? I didn't like that. No, I didn't like that. I thought, I thought it, it also didn't. It also felt as though this was planned months ago when people still did that. I didn't particularly mind that aspect. No, because when thought, when everybody was quarantined, like, like one of the first things that. that we got to see in this country before we went on lockdown, we saw the Italians singing opera from the balconies to each other, mm. and it became a sort of like um, a legendary tale of how. The Italians are are building communities despite the adversity and distance that they face, yeah. And and that never really happened in this country because we don't really sing opera and we certainly don't sing to each other off of balconies. But I thought that Corey was like, that's cool, let's put that in the show. And But then, like, somebody doing that in nearly August in England... If anyone's going to do it, it's going to be Mary. Yeah, I agree with you. But I think it was one of those Mary moments that just didn't quite hit it for me I think it was no. a bit silly anyway before I was interrupted I didn't give my score I'm sorry I just think that people want us to know what we thought about Mary singing off a balcony <laughs> I oh, I'm going to go lower on this one well it's not going to be four and a half it's, I'm, I'm going to go three I'm going to go three and a half I'm going to go three um, ounces of bonbons <laughs> out of five whatever oh, that is God, in grams what was going on there <laughs> I and it, even though I as I said even though I understand that they didn't it well didn't go exactly the way that they'd originally planned for it to go it it still for me didn't it didn't quite hit the mark I'm gonna give it three and a half sexy treasure hunts because this is another stupid thing that we didn't quite we didn't address which is when 
Who was Kathy telling this to? Um, it might have been. Was it Sally? I can't remember. She was, was, tell- she was telling. She was someone in that. She was talking Bernie. about the fact that they had this. Oh, it's Bernie. Treasure. What's it called? Metal detector. And she's saying that they use it for sexy treasure hunts where you you have to hide twenty p. And it's like, I'm not even going to rise to your this. Flaps, Kathy. Don't even. Shove it in I there. don't want to even. <laughs> smutty, I call it. Who is your character of the week? Elaine. Is it? Hero Gary. It's is Elaine. It Hero Aggie. Elaine. Why? Because she is so fantastic. Paula Wilcox is a, f- a fabulous actress. I can't she see was... her phrases. Hardly enough. She's been given... Uh, I don't know. She could be a really terrible actress, but Elaine is just the perfect character that she's absolutely like in real life. I don't know. But I have very high praise for her. I can't, I can't say too much about how much... I think she's fantastic and I, she definitely deserves it this week because she, her revelation about her being Tim's mum and her being scared and, oh, really great. Mm. I I think I probably will go for her. but She gave a lot of range this week. Yeah, she she did, she did. I, I think I will go for her, but I, I would like to give some props to Aggie for working for months, apparently, saving all these COVID victims. She just had a little break partway through that to sort out Oliver when he was taken into hospital. Yeah. But also, because I, I do want to give some recognition to that small story that... The Baileys. Kept, ...just kept on being lovely throughout the week. But, yeah, I think you're right. It's got to be Elaine. Elaine. Elaine slash Philippa for me. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm, just a, I'm just a little bit disappointed because last week I was so, so excited by it and I was like oh it's gonna this is only the beginning of the Britain's Got Talent Week week the Britain's Got Talent Week week yeah so yeah it didn't really live up but it wasn't a build as that Michael you just knew that that's when this would have been shown I know and I you know. decided to hype yourself yeah oh well I well I hear other people enjoyed it have you learned that. anything from this no no I didn't think so let's move on to the next part of the podcast <laughs> Right, news time, and we just had to pause the podcast for a little bit to see if Coronation Street won a BAFTA in tonight's virtual ceremony, and it turns Spoiler. out... No, they did not. Nope. But congratulations to all at Emmerdale, of course. Grr, we'll get you next time. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so no news there, but um, I want to just start off by talking about the uh, the Cory specials, as we've been doing the last few weeks. We did not get credited on this one because we didn't have anything to do with it, but it was still <laughs> a jolly good episode, I thought. It was it was about partnerships, um, and it, the, the main four that were focused on this week, we had Stan and Hilda, Alec and Bet, I think, <laughs> uh, Fred and Ashley, and Stephen Lloyd. And I really enjoyed uh, watching about all of those, but I saw quite a lot of backlash on social media saying why on earth were Lloyd and Steve one of the um, partnerships slash couples, whatever, that were mentioned when there were so many others. And it's true, there are lots and lots and lots of fantastic double acts in Coronation Street over the year. I mean, obviously, like Jack and Vera, or they could have gone maybe some Rita if they wanted to go down the the non-romantic couples. Roy and Hayley. (laughs) She is. I, I, I honestly think that when all of these specials are uh, been and done, pretty much all the major characters over the year will get some turn in the limelight. Yeah, that's And even though Roy and Hayley didn't get mentioned in the Partnerships episode, I mean, have they been a focus on one already? I can't remember. If they haven't, they probably will in a, in a future week. If so. you were like, if you, say, say you took like, I don't know, uh, Ina and Elsie 
like you could put them in partnerships, you could put them in like icons of the street, you could put them in. And there's a battle axes one coming yeah, up. Yeah, exactly. So... Some some characters could just keep cropping up. Yeah. I mean, I understand people. It's not like it was. This is the comprehensive roundup of every single greatest partner duo that's ever been on Coronation Street, and this is what we think the four best ones of all time are. No. But I think it, it's refreshing to honestly, it's refreshing to watch a show where they don't just go for the obvious ones. Here's Stan and here's Stan and Hilda. Here's here's um, Jack and Vera. Here's Steve and his wives. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's like have I ever seen a clip show that had a lengthy discussion of Steve and Lloyd? Yeah, no. no. But I, I really, really appreciated it because I've, yeah. I missed them as a duo terribly. I, I really want Lloyd to come back. I know he's not going to. Uh, and that, that was great to get a good, you know, five-minute segment yeah. for me on, people, on on a really great comedy Corrie couple. Yeah. The, but the, if the same for Fred and Ashley. I mean, the, yeah. that's, that's different. I've, I've seen Fred and Ashley clip shows before. Yeah, and... yeah, yeah. But if somebody had asked me, oh, do you, who do you think should be in it? I wouldn't have said Steve and Lloyd. No, they would have been pretty far down the list for me, honestly. But certainly don't begrudge watching it for five minutes. Mm. What did you think about um, the Stan and Hilda stuff? Because oh, they're I characters that you've that. grown to love a lot more and you've probably seen lots of clip shows with Stan and Hilda stuff but now you've actually watched them on the DVDs yeah I know must have taken on a different meaning I wasn't for prepared you. for the feelings I thought it was going to be like a sweet little thing about um, oh here's a bunch of romances and and it was like and then Stan died and here's Gene Alexander crying and yeah oh. and you again you've seen that clip because loads of times before Bernard sure. Ewan's died and then they killed Stan yeah and I those are the ones that get honestly they get me more than anything else because I'm watching it going oh she's crying because he's dead in real yeah, life like they don't need to act here kind and, of thing and he is dead and and I'm not just sad because the character's dead but I'm sad because the actor's dead mm. and I don't know they might have hated each other <laughs> <laughs> but those it's the same reason why Liz crying about Deirdre and oh can't I can't yeah that was a I they kicked it off it's so uh, it's like God I hope this isn't all going to be like this but luckily I think they it's probably a good idea to start off with a bittersweet one and then mm. move on to more you, you didn't know about uh, um you you learned quite a bit about the relationship between Alec and Bet I was you? like that's but you get fed up with me saying this I say this is like a my um curry watching vintage Corey cliche stupid joke that I love to try out I always go spoiler but I was watching all of it going no I don't want to know the fact that Alec and Bet is basically a business relationship consummated I had in no marriage idea. I, I just if I think of Bet and Alec I just think why was she going out with him I don't know but they seem to like each other and they were both in charge of the pub and that's literally all I know about it yeah for now you know it was a it, bit more than that beautiful Southampton um so if you um if you're living in Canada, by the way, you I hope you already know this, but they've started showing these on Thursday nights on CBC now at seven o'clock. So um, make sure you tune into that if you if you haven't. I'm sure you'll be able to catch the first one on the repeat next week over here. They're showing um, scandals, so I'm sure that'll be safe to be scandalous. <laughs> I well, I wonder what they're going to do because if I think if I think scandal on Corrie, I think of one big story. What do you think of? Oh, I don't know, actually. What are you thinking of? Sarah Louise gets pregnant. Oh, as a teenager, yeah. And that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah. I, yeah, it'll, it'll be things like that. I mean, there have been previews that say what it's going to be, but I don't know whether I've seen them or forgotten or what. But I'm just really, really enjoying all of these specials. A yep. lot, a lot more than I thought I would. I thought I'd like them, but I'm really, really looking forward to them. And yeah, I am. Just, just wishing that they were longer. 
Yeah. But kind of understanding that you can't always get what you want. Things. But there's still loads. There's still loads more because there's like eight in total. Then there's all the character ones. So we've got a good oh, few wow. mo- few more months of extra cory goodness on um you know on Monday nights or whatever. Speaking of extra cory goodness. Oh yes, they announced this week that we're going back to six episodes in September. Quite unexpectedly, I would say. Oh, people. Um, People have been wondering when it's going to happen and they've been asking, but up until this week, Coronation Street have been very, very cagey about when exactly it would happen. All they've said is, we want to get it back up up and running as quickly as possible. Um, but yeah, the, this week they're saying um, mid-September at some point. I, I honestly thought that they would string it out a bit longer just to get a few more episodes in the can, just in case they have to have another lockdown situation where well, they can't film sorry, anymore. Sorry, but if, to, if today, if yesterday and today in Britain hasn't shown, hasn't taught you anything, you're not capable of learning that this is still a volatile situation and you can't take anything anything for granted, I'm, I think it must be a bit frustrating for them because it all seemed very much on track and quite a sensible thing to be able to say yes, we're going to do six episodes mid-September. And then in, I, I don't know whether this is international news or if it's just, if you guys got your own problems, which I <laughs> I think you do. But at mid, like at 9.30 last night on Thursday, the 30th of July, the government announced at 9.30 at night, there is going to be a local lockdown that encompasses the Greater Manchester area, parts various Lancaster, other parts, Lancashire. And, and Yorkshire. Yeah. And that means that you can no longer visit people in their homes. Yes. You, and, you, you, and if you like going out to restaurants, you can only go with people from your own household. Yeah, you, no more, basically, no more mixing with people outside your house. Yeah, because the, the, the rates are starting to go on the up, the increase and in, around that area. And we'd seen bits about Oldham, I think, Oldham. on the news. I told you In the week this. beforehand. I was like, look at this, Oldham. And I was like, oh, no, that's fine. That's, but, um, yeah, this uh, this has dropped out of nowhere. So 9.30, it? and it was, it was it, to be enforced from midnight. Yeah. And, unfortunately, that was, is Eid. So m- lots of Muslim families were gathering... Not, not actually allowed to do this, but they had been, I suppose, some of them. I saw people on Twitter talking about this. Oh, there's loads of people who've, who've probably been travelled to other people's, their family's house, and they're probably asleep right now, and they don't know. It's like, well, they shouldn't be there because you're not allowed to do that. <laughs> That's part of the problem. You're not, you, you're allowed to mix outside, but you're not actually allowed to mix. You're, you're allowed to sit two metres apart from each other outside. You're allowed to go to restaurants with one other household. Yeah. You uh, you allowed the uh, list of things that you were still allowed to do very very limited, but everyone checked those rules out the window, and now we're. Well, back th- this in is one of the things they've said. Part, they've said this. I don't know whether it's the mayor or whoever that said it. Like this wouldn't have happened. The, 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 if people were following the rules. Yeah, exactly. People have not been sticking to the the rules in place. So this this is what happens. And so, it, so and it, but I mean, Coronation Street today have said that it's not going to affect their filming in any way. We continue to maintain our health and safety protocols to ensure everyone can work safely. So for the moment, Coronation Street can still carry on with its plans to go six episodes a week. I kind of imagine that these special episodes are going to be on Mondays at half past eight until mid-September, and then they'll roll over the following week into the, um, the six episodes. 
that that's kind of what I'm predicting. But who knows? Because well, it all listen. depends on whether this lockdown actually works and whether they have to make the measures even stricter. The other thing that's happening as well, from the 8th of August in, the, in England, I don't, I don't know about Wales, Scotland and Northern Ireland, but I'm pretty sure it's in, in... Well, I know it's definitely England. You have to wear a face mask in all indoor... Public places. Public spaces. Yeah. And the definition of public is basically the government says we don't want to get involved in that. Don't be asking us questions about what public means. It means definitely means museums and it definitely means cinemas and it definitely means churches. And your bowling alleys, we were going to open them up, but now we can't. Now we're not. And also, don't ask us about restaurants. Yeah, they're being very cagey about restaurants, as far as I can tell. Like, do we have to... Because, obviously, we're going to Manchester next week and the week after. So our second week in Manchester is going to be in these new... Um, new restrictions well yeah i mean and when, the, when you go on holiday you like to go out to restaurants and stuff don't you especially when it's your 10th wedding anniversary and also the other thing that the government has done in the uk or is it just england i don't know and i apologize to people that are listening from wales and scotland and northern ireland especially the people that i speak to on facebook i apologize i, I always get i never know because they don't tell us this isn't a in current england. affairs podcast don't no, but they don't tell us in england like oh scottish people are doing this but not you guys don't worry about it Okay, they, anyway. Well, they won't necessarily tell us Not everything, do they? No. So when you hear something, you're never really sure whether it's UK-wide or just England. Like the face mask thing, I don't know. The 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 not mixing bubbles thing, I don't. I think it's just England. But anyway, what was I saying? I don't know. You'd started off to say something. Oh, you've distracted me. I didn't distract you. You distracted yourself by apologising to our Welsh, Northern Irish and Scottish <laughs> listeners. I think as just an in English case person, you offended. have to just continuously do that because you're going to say something <laughs> rude. Oh, I don't know what I was going to say. That doesn't matter. So anyway, the, the 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 long and short of it is, Corrie's going to be back six episodes a week we mid-September unless things, unless things go pear-shaped again. Oh, what was I going to um, say? Coronation Street is apparently not yet af- not affected, but but who knows? And the, these new measures that are coming in on the eighth I don't mean that they're going to have to all wear masks while they're working because that doesn't count as a f- listen, public space. Listen, I was going to say there's a scheme that the government has put on in August, which is if you go to a restaurant that participates in the scheme on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday you get 50% off of your food and soft drinks to the value of £10 per person per restaurant. So the government's trying to encourage people to go to restaurants Yeah, to kind of in give the economy a boost. So they're not going to turn around and say, actually, don't go to restaurants. Then I don't see how they can enforce people wearing re- masks in restaurants either because you can't eat and how who's going to police how how much you're allowed to pull your mask down when you're eating. Mm. I don't know. But well, anyway... Um, that, yeah. Already they're saying that it's going to be down to restaurants to make sure that people are following the rules of don't go with people, don't eat with people that aren't in your household. I don't know how they're expected to enforce this. Like when they're you come and sit to. at a table, are they going to say, do you two definitely live with each other? Have you got proof no, of that? There's going to be some jobs worse that are going to kick it, kick off. Like that time we went to a restaurant for my mum's birthday and we said, can we put this in a doggy bag? And they made us sign a form. To say, oh, yeah. and the, the guy who's the waiter is like, um, I used to be a, a, a lawyer who who studied blah blah law, blah blah blah, and it's like, okay, how's that going? <laughs> anyway, so there will be jobs worth, but at the same time, me, I guess, I guess you're not supposed to go on holiday with your friends though. We could go on holiday with my friend Rachel because she 
Could we? If she, well, cause she, if she had her own house... Yeah, but she doesn't. She, yeah, but say she did... Yeah. We could go on holiday with her. We could form a social bubble but with we her. But we couldn't go, here's our utility bill to prove we live in the same house, but we are living in an Airbnb for the There's, next It's week. all based on a lot of trust, isn't it? It's based on trust, but it's also, I think, there's a lot of plausible deniability and we're not going to really tell you because we, we want you to be able to interpret the rules to our benefit. Mm-hmm. And we want to be able to blame you when the, uh, if when the figures you all die, go off again. Which you have been doing. Good job, everybody. So, anyway, it's, it's made... Uh, and I know this isn't anything to do with the news or anything, but it, it has had some effects on our trip to Manchester, it's obviously. It's bummed us out. It's bummed us out massively. I mean, we, we, we were really that... excited about going, and we were like, all this week we've been preparing, and like, right, we've got to do this, this, we've got to do that, we've got to plan that, we've got to look at... We, we spent like two hours yesterday on Google Maps putting down pins everywhere so we could work out routes, and then today... And we still can go to a lot of those places. We're just going to have to wear masks in them now. And I, I, I was always... Because I had to wear masks for my medical trial earlier in the year... So I was kind of used to wearing medical masks going out and about. And then I kept reading on social media, these people going, listen, I'm, I am asthmatic and I can't wear a mask. Or I, I'm unclaustrophobic. I've got OCD. I can't wear a mask. I'm not wearing a mask. Uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, ugh, these people are so weak. <laughs> they're, so, they're so selfish. I, I would never be like that. And then we went to the supermarket yesterday and I was like, oh God, I might be ventilating. I can't, I can't cope with it. It's really uncomfortable because I've got all these cough masks and yeah. they really stick to my face. So I'm going to have to work out a mask that I can wear because if I'm wearing, if it's going like it was yesterday, yesterday. I can't do it. Mm. Well, you know, we're still hopefully going to be bringing you lots of nice Corrie content for the podcast in the next couple of weeks. It's not going to be, you know, as, as big as it could have been had this pandemic not happened. And even even recent developments might might have changed a few things. It's not but hopefully like we we've ever got some fun asked stuff for anything up. super elaborate, is it? Wanted to go to Manchester on holiday. And it feels like... This is why I'm so pessimistic. I never think anything's going to happen and I always expect the worst and then it happens and I'm like, see, <laughs> told you this was going to happen. Back on track to what this um, news item was actually about, what are your thoughts about it going back to six episodes a week? Oh, listen, are you the celebrating other thing I was going to say, they, they gave this lockdown thing saying, oh yeah, we, it doesn't affect us, this lockdown. Who, Corrie has said that. Corrie's saying, this, this localised lockdown where you can't mix with people in houses outside your household. It doesn't affect us. But the mask thing really gives me a massive question mark because it is an indoor space. It isn't a public space, but neither is a restaurant or a cinema. They're private establishments. They're places of business. So I think the difference is that you can walk in off the street into a restaurant and you can't walk into the Corrie Studios off the street. It is a... It's a place know, of work for is, its though, employees only. Why are you wearing a mask? Why why are we wearing masks in places? What's the point? Tell me. Just yeah, well, stop no, spreading around, isn't it? Yeah. So why why don't people that work on a soap deserve to be protected? Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If it's a if it's to protect people, you're gonna have to. I think this is the whole thing is ridiculous. You need you shouldn't have to justify these things a bit more than just going. Well, it's going to be a bit inconvenient, isn't it? It is going to be inconvenient. They won't be able to do it. You'll never see a scene on Coronation Street where characters are wearing masks and talking to each other. Through their Because masks. you can't see or hear what they're saying. They're not going to do it. You can't emote no. through a mask. No. 
I mean, we had Maria with her bee mask today, didn't we? Well, she that pulled was, it off her face immediately. Yeah. I mean, nobody's wearing masks in the shops because, number one, they filmed it before that was mandatory. And number two, you can't see what yeah. they're doing. But yeah, six episodes a week, I think, I think the consensus seems to be... Uh, uh, yeah, from, from what, what I've read, I've seen a lot more people saying... I don't Can't like, you just I keep it at three? I've seen some people celebrating six, obviously. There's going to be people that think that the more curry you get, the better. And in some ways, I'm in that camp. I love a good bit of curry, me. I'm excited that there's going to be more drama, more action, more more everything in the week. Um, and I, I don't... I mean, but I mean, when people have been moaning for years that the number of, as the number of episodes have increased, the quality has gone down... And and also, just from our point of view, on a personal note, it has been an awful lot easier to do That's the podcast thing. with only three episodes to talk about. And the Street Talk segments have got shorter, although today's was still pretty long and last week's was as well. And and it's taken less time to, to, to watch, less fewer notes to write. It's, it's faster to it's, record. It's, it's faster to record than everything. We get to start earlier on a Friday than we do. Yeah, yeah, we get, get to start an hour earlier than we normally do. There's been an awful lot of benefits for us. It's taken up less web space when we've uploaded the podcast. Um, and now so we're going to lose all of that. But I, I completely understand why it needs to go back up to six. They, they don't care well, about what... it's the what, money. It is. It's, it's about... It's all about the advertising, isn't it? And it's it's fair. fair and it's to also lose, really. it's also a, their flagship show. Mm. And well, also, they need to they need to be able to give the actors something to do, and they and they need to. Well, they're paying them. They're paying them. Yeah. Some of them are being paid for guaranteed minimum number of episodes in a year, and they're not going to hit that. Mm. And they're still getting paid because that's their contract. Some of them don't have that contract, and they're being shafted along with the rest of the creative industries. Mm. Anyway, what you were saying made me think then. People saying, oh, the fewer episodes there are, the more they can concentrate and the quality is higher. Mm. I think that we have proven that's not the case. I think it's something about the way that we consume the media makes it that it feels better when it's three episodes. And so, sadly, you could have six of the best episodes that have ever been every week and it still wouldn't be as good as three episodes because I think we just prefer fewer episodes because it feels less like you're being assaulted. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? You're saying you'd rather have a few little morsels of chocolate rather than being given three well, massive chocolate I don't eggs like to eat lots of at, once. at once. Too much of a Do good you see thing. what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the thing is, the quality of the episodes has not changed because this this batch that we, before before the lockdown, blah, 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 the batch we were watching that was spaced out three per week was written as six per week, right? It's not like the quality changed in the writing or the production or the acting or anything. Nothing, everything was completely the same. But instead of being six, it was three. And everybody seemed to prefer it that way. So it's nothing to do with the way they make it. It's to do with the fact that people just prefer three episodes a week. And unfortunately, if you're going to have six episodes a week, there's nothing you can do about that. Do you see? Does, am I making yeah, myself clear? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see. So I'm just saying the quality of Coronation Street hasn't gone down or changed. It, it's just been things like you know, there's been longer gaps in between certain stories. It lets and... you. It gives you time to breathe a bit more. Yeah. Everything feels less rushed, and also we get 
more cliffhangers. The, the Friday, yeah, the, the end of the episode I, cliffhangers. We've always said, unapologetically so, I don't care. People think they're juvenile. I don't. I enjoy them. I know that some of them are silly. <sighs> Doesn't bother me. I like it. Yeah. Well, it's like reading a Dan Brown novel. We've still a got a good six book. weeks of three episodes anyway until it ramps back up again. And you know, maybe by then we might be gagging for it. I don't know. It depends what's going well, on. Well, I don't know. I'm. I feel really bad for saying I don't want it to go back to six episodes, but I think I've defended myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, finally, um, if you are, um, if you've been watching the dis- uh, listening to sorry the distinct nostalgia interviews recently, then um, I'm sure you've seen that they recently put up one with Stephen Arnold, who played Ashley, somebody who appeared on this very podcast a few months ago as well. But now they've got hold of him, and that's another one that I definitely recommend listening to. I I was uh, listening to it myself yesterday while I was doing a bit of pre-holiday tidying around the house. And um, yeah, it's, it's great stuff. He talked for about 50 minutes or so. There's a, an awful lot of it is about how he got on with various members of the cast and like relationships between him and like uh, Simon Gregson and obviously John Savadant. And th- th- there's a lot of that. And Tracy Shaw, it's, it's really fun to listen to. And he's a, he's a lovely chap. So go and check it out. And there's, there's still plenty more to come um, where that came from, really. So just wanted to give them a little plug again. That's it. That's our news. Let's finish off with some feedback. So we've got another load of emails and messages and things to read on uh, today's podcast. Um, we're starting off with the Facebook poll. Um, 3.91 was the average score for last week. So definitely Hi. skewing, well, it's definitely lower than my four and a half that I gave. Most people gave it fours. There was, a, there was like three people that voted four and a half, I think, and a few a bit lower that, that brought it down. Um, so it's still, yeah, still a pretty high week on the whole. Vanessa gave it four concrete hanging baskets <laughs> out of five. Pat gave it four and a half existential angsts out <laughs> of five. Um, and Rob gave it four special effects borrowed from 70s Doctor Who out of five. I think referring to the Yasmin dream sequence. Well, wasn't that a bit like The Master um, in Doctor Who recently? What do you mean? When it was um, the one who looks like David Platt. Oh, yeah. Did he turn himself into himself lots of times? John Sim Master. Yeah. Yeah. Recent-ish. There have been two other Masters since him. Listen, I'm not up on... Doctor Who. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you everybody for the voted for that. As usual, uh, speaking of Facebook, I pinched this comment from Joe it. from Facebook. Oh, I love so this. I thought this was quite an right, interesting everybody. one. Even though this hasn't been sent to us as feedback, I've ripped off the Facebook group to read out Before to you all this evening. Before you listen to this, you must go to your kitchen, open your, your little cupboard or your drawer, get out your roll of tinfoil and fashion yourself a hat because we are talking... Coronation Street conspiracy theories. Joe says, I'm still halfway through listening to this week's podcast and now I'm thinking about whether in fact Corey has jumped ahead a bit in time, but it's been done subtly and very well. Ooh. In last night's episode, Gary made reference to the fact that the last few weeks had been a nightmare and weird, or whatever it was he said, implying that lockdown had been in place for a few weeks. Equally, the way I had talked about Aggie doing all these shifts at the hospital seemed to also imply that she'd been doing this for a few weeks. And the scenes in the cabin and the rovers with their one-way systems and takeaway-only signs felt like the customers were already very familiar with the system, again implying that they'd been in place a few weeks. Now, the fact that there was no kind of plot whereby everybody was suddenly hearing the government announcement and then talking about all the changes that they'd had to make, etc., but instead were suddenly in COVID-19 world made me think that Corrie decided to shift the plots forward a few weeks. And I think the subtle way it's been done is brilliant. 
But I think the biggest key to this is the court hearing. In real life, it's unlikely that a trial would come up so quickly after the plea and directions hearing. Although this seems like ages ago, it really wasn't because of the change in the number of episodes. In my experience as a former court reporter, it could be six months or even a year before a case goes to full trial. Plus, we didn't see any scenes with Imran or Paula preparing Yasmin for the trial or even saying, so your trial will be next week, etc. I... uh, I took it as read as soon as I heard that the trial was suddenly here that it jumped ahead slightly. And this time jump happened at the start of Friday's episode. Which brings me on to the dream scene. I thought it was brilliant. To me, it was an embodiment of a lot of things. Not only the kind of transcendental gateway to this new world we're now in, but also a kind of exaggerated in-your-face indulgence in the special effects they might have to make use of in the coming weeks. To me, it was like... Um, hey, so what to social? So, so what to social distancing? We can just magic Jeff here and there and there and oh look, there's another Jeff. It was just absolutely inspired, as well as having the brilliant effect of displaying the sheer trauma of coercive control, which you can never escape, even in sleep. I honestly think Corey has pulled out all the stops of these last couple of episodes. They've really proved that they can provide fantastic telly in such difficult circumstances. What a great, very post. nicely written post. Although I this is the sort of quality stuff that you can expect from our Facebook group, people. Yeah, We don't just let anybody in there, <laughs> literally. I still don't think there was a time jump, and I know you've given all this evidence. It's there, compelling Joe. evidence. It, it is, and, and especially as you... I mean, you've been court reporter and you know about how the timings and all this works. And usually, Corey does. Does, uh, usually Corey likes to make things happen quicker than normal, which is why I don't know whether I would particularly give that as a compelling piece of evidence. I think that on the Wednesday episode last week, Tim talks to Jeff about the trial being tomorrow, i.e. Friday's episode. And I think that's the biggest piece of evidence to show that there hasn't been a time jump. You're not, gonna allow, you're not allowed to say evidence anymore. What? You're saying evidence too much. Sorry. you have to explain why later. I, I don't think that there has been. I think we're just supposed to ignore it. And it, Yes, Aggie's been saying I've been having... I've been working really hard on the COVID wards for months and everything. I think we're just supposed to, you know, let it wash all wash over us and for us to make, uh, you know, allowances for this. I like this post. I don't. I don't like you necessarily think that that's what's happened. But I really, really like the amount of thought and evidence has gone to it. And if this is Joe's head cannon, then great. I think if coronation... I don't see why it couldn't be true. I think we're left... To, the thing is, they've left us to make our own head cannons yeah. about this. I yeah. think if they really wanted it to be a time jump, they would have made it obvious that it's a time jump. Maybe they wouldn't have had a two months later flash up on the screen, but they would have had the producer saying, we're jumping ahead two months, or they would have said... They'd have had somebody on Friday saying, oh, do you remember two months ago when blah, 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 or... I really Not much think, has happened in our drama in the last two months. You know. I, I just really think that this could be something you could argue about in Coronation Street fandom for all time. Yeah. Because you're Joe's right, you could say that it's happened, but also you could say, no, Corey's just kind of gone, God, I hope they don't moan about this too much, but we're just going to have to put everything in and pretend it was always like this. Yeah, and they have, I, they, I think they've just kind of merged it, and I've, I've kind of... I'm a, I've made peace with it already because that's the world that they're in now. And even towards the end of this week, it wasn't feeling as in your face as it had been on Friday and Monday's episode where I think that they were taking every opportunity to mention something to do with COVID. But I mean, I, think... I know we had Jenny with her hand gel and everything today and Jeff saying he wanted to hug the life out of her. But, yeah, what were you saying? 
there's only so much they can do and I think that they are right to not throw themselves full throttle into everything revolves around COVID-19 as it would do if you were if you were trying to tell a story about quarantine it would just be nothing but that because that's what we've been living but we're in now we're in a world where everyone's trying to get back to normal but we're still having like this local lockdown in Manchester no one could predicted this it's not going to be reflected in Coronation Street but so even... so you have to you have to just accept when you're watching it you're you're watching a world that isn't quite the world that we live in but, but Coronation Street never has never been no and, and I actually that think that this is the closest it's ever been to being this is like the, most, the real world yeah I mean I feel it like feels, they are going through some of the same things as we are and I don't often think of how that feel like in Coronation Street it sometimes feels as though we're watching like a parallel universe or a, or an alien planet that just happens to look exactly like <laughs> Manchester that doesn't have any of, of the, the same it doesn't you know, have the same things we do there's no events. news there's no royal weddings there's no Olympics there's no there's no nine eleven. There's no Donald Trump. I don't know. Just nothing seems to happen there. There's no Tesco. There's no Apple. There's no Google. There's no Facebook. Mm. There's no Tinder. But just just the mention of this has helped root it in reality more far than, more than ever. Far, far more than apart ever. Apart from yeah. the fact that it coincidentally happens to be set on Earth. <laughs> um anyway we'll we'll, we'll let you, like that, theorize you on that a little bit more as much as you want to um rebecca jamie you can read these ones out from her this week what has she got to say first i would like to congratulate cory on all the different social distancing ways they managed from small laura mentioning having a picnic and ryan mentioning ducks to big tim saying the word coronavirus nurse wearing mask poster poses up in roy's rolls nina wearing gloves and gary using visa contactless what the hell was Ryan doing with ducks? What's I, that got to do with coronavirus? I can't remember. I remember him talking about ducks. It definitely and the used ducklings. to be ducks before COVID nineteen. <laughs> I can't remember how it was meant. Anyway, Rebecca says, although I agree with you, as why was Brian and Bernie showing showing a car? Looking forward to more mentions as the episodes go through the weeks. On to the actual episodes of a pretty strong week. Jeff and Yasmin again, brilliant. Shelley and Ian knocked it out of the park. Also enjoying the additions of Paula Wilcox to the mix, a great actress and hopefully an ally to Yasmin. I think the heart attack was to deploy to extend the trial due to COVID, although I'm not upset that it's being extended. Love the end to Wednesday's episode and Yasmin saying, shut up, Jeff. This was last week, everyone. I think you've picked this up by now. Although Jeff calling her a bitch face with open mouth. You've been taking the emojis out again. She's shocked. Rebecca says, also enjoyed the Adam and Gary story. For the first time in a while now, it's looking like the net is finally coming in on Gary. I just wish we would have seen the chase between Gary, Bernie and Brian. But alas, due to COVID, we couldn't. I also liked Laura in seductive mode and telling Adam to call her when he was done with Sarah. Honestly, Rebecca, that doesn't seem like it's going to be very long if the story goes. No, I know. Um, this love triangle ends up happening. Rebecca says, although I agree with you two. Can I just interrupt you, Rebecca? Sorry. I buy Laura chasing Adam more than Sarah and Adam being a married couple. <laughs> Her motivation is clear cut to me. Yeah. Anyway, Rebecca continues. I agree with you too. Gary giving Kelly money was creepy. On to the smaller stories and I agree with Michael. Daniel's story is really sad and he needs to see someone professional. He is, Rebecca. It's just not the right side of the <laughs> professional. Although I would love it if Nikki did Sinead's voice. 
<laughs> I also <laughs> I think that's extra. <laughs> I also did see the look Nikki gave Daniel, so this might progress into something more serious. Really enjoyed the M scenes this week, and I'm also enjoying the scenes between her and Alina. Laughed at the yogurt line, enjoyed Alina saying she's getting a takeaway. Finally loved Ed mentioning that Aggie was working at the hospital and also mentioning COVID. I'm assuming this will extend into this week. You're right. Character of the week is Yasmin, and I give it four. Oh, shut up, Jeffs. Out of five. Lovely. Yeah, the Daniel story seems to have just uh, stopped dead, hasn't it? I don't know. They must he, be he, going, what the hell do we do yeah, with this? If the whole, you know, the whole hook of the story is he's having these secret okay. meetings in a hotel with a sex worker. Like, he literally cannot do that. So Well, listen, if you, I don't know that you are supposed to do it anyway. Well, he... I don't, I, I don't, it's not illegal to be a sex worker, but I think it's illegal to visit one. <laughs> Get into isn't, it just like, isn't it like having a police scanner like you can buy them and you can't use them <laughs> I don't know um, the, I can't Rebecca didn't mention it but Joe mentioned the dream and and I think out of all the stuff in the last few weeks that dream sequence was my favourite thing Yeah. and I think that's another reason why I ended up feeling a little bit disappointed by this week's Corey because I thought if, that, if that's the beginning of the week because I kind of felt like that was the beginning of the Britain's Got Talent week what what, what more next? has the rest got in store and it just nothing really felt like it lived up to that to me and and the highlight was obviously supposed to so be the car crash which they previewed too much in advance yeah it's my fault nancy says that well you might as well you disappoint me often enough hey. nancy also loved last week's <laughs> episode she says the dream sequence with jeff and yasmin was amazing would not have wanted that nightmare. Love the way Yasmin told Jeff off. We got to see how Jeff totally lost it. The scene with Yasmin and Imran was brilliant. I'm glad she told Imran about Elaine before she collapsed. I wonder how they'll proceed with the trial. What location will they use? I r- really wonder. Because you because they do socially distance trials, but I don't think... Because the Johnny Depp one's going on at the moment, isn't it? And they, mm. they go there and do that. Well, it's just they can't go out anywhere to film it in the location Here's that they usually question. use for the trial, can they? Is a is a court a public place? Who, who because knows? honestly, here's another good question. You could have a court case where everyone wears a mask, but does that not help the dissemblers? Will you be able to judge whether somebody's lying on the stand? If they get a mask, if you're, a ju- if you're in the jury, maybe they'll be asked to use one of their screen masks, the, the clear, you know, plastic masks. Those that you are can such absolute BS. Those are. <laughs> All they do is funnel your breath into a concentrated blast downwards so that when you're fumbling with tomatoes and Tesco, you make sure that you breathe on all of them rather than just one or two. <laughs> Nancy um, is also enjoying Adam thinking he's a detective trying to bait Gary and uh, Gary's starting to realise that he needs to be more careful. Sarah catching Adam with Laura was so good. I loved how it didn't bother Laura, though. <laughs> I know, I love that. She's like, oh, whatever, it's not the first time I've been lounging around trying to get my baps out for a lawyer. <laughs> Daniel needs help. I know that he went to a retreat, but it didn't really help him at all. No. I'm wondering, how's he going to visit Nikki with social distancing? What will Daniel do next to get comfort? I... Is he going to have to just find someone on the street? Or I've... is he going to get a doll? Massive... He's just get a doll, couldn't he? Dress it up as Sinead. Well, I mean, they've got a Sarah doll. Yeah, yeah, use the mannequin. Yeah. Um, I've now realised how he's funding this. He must have got a refund off the grief retreat. <laughs> yeah, that maybe. That makes sense. <laughs> um, and he's, yeah, maybe he's proving the fact that he needs the retreat by saying, look, look at me, I'm, I'm going to visit this woman in the hotel. Obviously didn't work, give me my money back. <laughs> Excellent. I give this week's episodes four Sinead sweaters, Nancy says. Shetters. And uh, so it gives the character of the week to Yasmin. 
Jay's greeting us from the colonies says we have just had the episode where Sally and Kathy go to y- Yasmin. Leanne is losing her dot 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 mind. And Roy date blocks Evelyn. Did you notice? Oh, I didn't. Did you notice the strange sounds? Oh yeah, this is interesting. I didn't have it. I did not notice. Is this something that's been added, or are we just deaf? Jay said, oh, "Jay, I was going to ask you: Are you listening to this on headphones? Not that I think your headphones are faulty, but perhaps it's more audible when you're well, listening to yeah. if you're watching TV." So, so what's he talking about? What's he Let me explain. About? Did you notice the strange sounds during the couple of scenes? The first time I noticed it was when Roy was walking in his flat. There was very loud crinkling sound. I thought he was wearing nylon wind pants and forgot a body mic in his pocket. It was like he was wearing cornflake pants. And walking on bubble wrap. <laughs> Explanation in case you don't use the term wind pants in the UK. They are the same as a nylon windbreaker jacket worn as cool weather athletic warm-up pants. Well, I did not hear any sounds like Roy was walking in cornflake, cornflake trousers on bubble wrap. In the UK, if you were to say wind pants, you would be referring to a pair of un- your underwear that you've soiled through farting. <laughs> Probably. I don't know. Did anyone else I hear, hear this? That. I, I would like to it. know. Because I wondered whether it was something that um, got accidentally added in when they were broadcasting it. In, yeah. Or so, in something the wrong with the channel. Yeah, I mean, the colonies are behind. You, <laughs> like, not just not just in, in terms of Coronation Street, but also technologically. <laughs> and in terms of what you call your pants. <laughs> Continue. Jay says, Nick and Leanne showed their depth as actors this week. I was impressed with both. I am so used to the sarcastic old tricky Nick, it was great to see him show emotion in the scene with Peter behind the rovers. Oh yeah, that's at the end of the week, wasn't it? That scene with um with Nick and Peter out in the smoking area. We, we, we liked that at the time. We do not have classic Corey here, so I use YouTube. If you search any character's name, you'll find that someone has put together every scene. They've been grouped in a in a playlist. I've spent a lot of time lately watching old storylines from my favourite characters. Yeah, it's literally you can go and find find playlists and, and videos on anyone. There's there's vast swathes of Coronation Street stuff, classic horror stuff on YouTube. Don't tell anybody because I might get rid of it. I don't know. I don't know why Coronation Street isn't taking it down, whether it, they think it's not worth the hassle or what, or whether they get. Some I, kind of benefit from having all I these things. I don't know that we can things. speculate without getting anyone in trouble. <laughs> Fine. Jay says the walk. This walk down the history of the cobbles has brought me to a few realizations. First, teenage Ryan Connor was not even likable. There was nothing about him that was in any way appealing. He was just so nasty and always had a chip on his shoulder. Don't get me started on his hair. On his hair, don't in 2010. If the people are... Have you if heard people... that phrase before? An expression, a hair don't? I assume it's like, like a hairdo, but a bad one. I think it's just a funny way of saying hairdo, isn't it? Yeah, but is, is, has Jay coined that phrase? Or is that, a, is that a Canadian thing? Or have we just not heard it? Because we're not... I don't think I really spend a lot of time talking about hair. Okay. If people think DS Abney's self-cut bangs were bad, Jay, now, come on. They need to take a look at this kid. He looked like David got put a bowl on his head and spun it while he was cutting. <laughs> oh, there were so many bad haircuts back in, like, from that. I don't know. I don't think there were ever there was ever an era of good haircuts. <laughs> Are we not in it now? No. Do, I, do you remember 
not liking the old Ryan Connor. I'm I fine. don't remember ever I, liking Ryan before current Ryan. No, I, I certainly remember not liking the second incarnation of Ryan, the Sol Harris one. But the the first version of him, it feels like it is too long ago. And it wasn't really, really long ago. I think he just didn't make a major impression on me because I I can remember people from like other people around that time that I've still got really, really strong feelings about one way or the other. But Ryan is like... I just well, got bogged just down bland. by the idea that, that that stupid baby's drop story was was rubbish. I think he was he was not a character. He was a plot device. Mm. Well, I mean, we we've um, a lot of the characters that were introduced around that time at the turn of the millennium turned out to be not that exciting, didn't they? Because we've done our um, yeah. our video for YouTube <laughs> on characters who made their debut in the two thousands. And your like, guys are gonna love the intro it's, to it's, that. It's the longest one that we've done. There was um, yeah, we three, were like, three long pages long, worth it? of it. So they introduced tons of characters in that decade, the first decade. And just a lot of them were just like, mm, no. Yeah, next, next, next. It's like there was, we were saying that it's and the producers were saying as well. Next, come on. Right, yeah. this one didn't work. Get rid of them. Yeah. Jay says, I think Michelle was far more annoying in the early 2000s than she was in 2018 to 19. There is nothing more aggravating to me than when parents try to be their kids' best friends rather than their parent but she took it even further, acting less mature than her 16-year-old son. I also rewatched both of Sophie's relationship storylines. I know there are a lot of Maddie fans out there, but I'm fully in the camp of Sean Powers. Sasha Parkinson was a solid actor and was stunning. She was one of the best at turning on the waterworks in sad scenes. I feel foolish to admit that I was angry when she left the show. <laughs> uh, my character wish for the 60th year would be the return of Sean Powers. Sean? Sean? <laughs> Older and wiser, and just in time for Brooke's return from maternity leave, the producers owe the audience a same-sex marriage that works. That'd be yes. quite interesting to yes. bring back. Yes, They took bold steps having two lesbian couples engaged, and I'm sure they loved the publicity, but they never saw it through. I feel like I've been left outside the church holding my gift, watching as everyone is leaving the wedding before it starts. I am sure I had a great gift for each couple. <laughs> I agree with you, Gemma, that we only see couples when there is drama and never see them either being romantic or just spending time together. I'd love to see Toya and Imran on the sofa under a blanket arguing over what to watch on Netflix. Show us what couples actually spend time together and that once in a while married couples can be romantic every now and then. Which is why I enjoyed the Ed and Aggie stuff today. Yeah, it is a bit silly though. I guess they have to invest in them. Um, But it is a bit silly that we get more time invested in them as a couple, even though they're relatively new, than characters that we supposedly... Mm. I mean, I guess Fizz and Tyrone tried to have a date, but then Gemma crushed her. Is it, I, I found it quite interesting that in the past Thank month... Thank you, Jay, for your feedback. Thank you. I found Wind it interesting pants. that the past <laughs> few months, the two small, you know, not at all sensational story, just literally about relationship and about couples, I've really enjoyed those stories, even though not a lot happened. I've loved the Ed and Aggie stuff this week. I really did appreciate the Tyrone and Fizz story, apart from the fact that Gemma and Chesney got involved a bit. It just goes to show that sometimes if you scroll back on the high drama and the explosions and the stunts and the, the salaciousness, you, Corrie can still do nice little short character stories that work. It's so tough. I'm so glad I'm not involved in making Coronation Street, even though sometimes we act as though we are. <laughs> but if you've got the choice, don't you? Really, really drive your characters and... Everything stems from them and they're the focus and you invest time and energy into develop, develop, 
ping them and do lots of sort of really interesting vignettes and nice scenes that feel like they could come from a play. But then you don't have anything to tell the soap magazines. You don't... I mean, what? who's going to put on the cover of Soap Weekly... Fizz and Tyrone cook a steak. Yeah, but Fizz and Tyrone were on the front of the soap magazines that week, weren't they? New Jack and Vera. They, oh, that's they true, just need actually. to find the right angle. Well, it's not. Yeah, I, yeah. But you're not gonna. You're not gonna get anybody tuning in, going. Yeah, guys, watch out because Aggie's gonna have a Zoom anniversary party this week. I know. You guys can't miss it. It's their thirtieth anniversary. Nobody cares about that. Everybody wants to see Gary getting run over by a car. Mm. Yeah. It's so, just, so oh, you can't. There's so much, there's, there's, the there's competition, act. isn't there? From, yeah. from all the other ones. What they need to they do constantly trying to do each other is kill everybody off who is involved or works in EastEnders, Emmerdale, and Hollyoaks. Yeah. But that then seems quite left to do whatever I don't know if they. I don't know if they should do that. I think they should just. Well, they're already not having to compete with EastEnders at the moment, oh, are no. they? Because they're still on their break. Yeah. Um, right. Bums. We are going to finish this off with Fangirl Overload One Two Three's message that pinged into us a couple of hours ago. She said that this week's episode of Corrie's was so so good. See, look, she really loved them this week. Well, I, was, I, was, I was, thought they were just like meh. The revelation, She's your the revelation that Elaine was Tim's mum was an interesting curveball and something interesting to add to his character. It was slightly confusing, though. Are Elaine and Tess are the same person? Oh, no. here we go again. Or is it just Jeff's lies? No, I really don't think they are. And if they turn around and say they are the same person now, then that's just going to confuse us. So I really, really hope not. Um, his list of exes gets longer by the week and it's hard to keep track. No, because Jeff talked about Tessa. Yeah. And T- Philippa Elaine never claimed to be ever had been called Tessa. She didn't come to, to Tim and go, my name is Elaine, but it secretly used to be a Philippa, but you might know me as Tessa. Well, t- Tim would or know- maybe you might have known me as mum. Tessa would have known what... No, Tim would have known what Tessa looked like as well. So when this person turned up, if she was yeah, Tessa, he would true. have recognised her. Yeah, he so would have known No is would. the answer. Mum, why are you saying, why are you telling me you're mum? I know you are. Um, the stunt was done quite well when you take into consideration social distancing measures and additional challenges. I also wonder how Sarah's knowledge of Gary's wrongdoings will affect the street and if it will bring back memories of Callum. Aha, uh-huh, that's like what we were saying earlier. I also like the Smiths shout out, but you think Maria would be more distraught about Gary than what happens uh, after what happened to Liam? Oh yeah, the fact that Liam was knocked down by a car and killed. Who hasn't been knocked down by a that car? That wasn't mentioned this today, no. was it? Yeah, you're right. That would have maybe brought back some flashbacks to that. This is what I don't out. understand. That, right, okay. I know that they everyone has to work from home where they can now. But if I was the producer on Coronation Street, I would make everybody write in the building and everyone would be there and you would write your scripts in the building and you would have discussions as you was writing it and you would talk to people and Maria, like um, Samia, would say, "Oh, didn't Lee? Didn't Lee? You know, some the actors do sometimes know the characters. Not all of them. I'm gonna say are that bothered about their characters, but they do know what happened, and they might remember. Mm. They're the they're the they're the ones that are invested most in the characters out of everybody. Yeah, I I sometimes think that that the show would really really benefit from because we had. The right we had a writer on the show, Ellen. Yeah, Ellen Taylor. Ellen Taylor, and she talked about how they write it, and it definitely seemed very convenient. And obviously, it, it not as expensive to produce it that way, but you end up with things like this. But equally, they could have had somebody say, 
Oh, hang on. Didn't Marie? Didn't Maria's husband get run over? Or whatever, fiance. And then somebody else would have gone, yeah, but we can't write that. Like, every single... The other, thing, the other thing is, every single time something happens, it's happened about five times before on the street to somebody else. Yeah, and if you, you interrupt the action it. every time to go... Oh, oh, this is like the time. This reminds me... Mind you, if anyone's going to try to do the one-upmanship, it would be Maria. I think this is bad. <laughs> that particular corner on Coronation Street where Gary got hit as well, that's like a, a hot spot, isn't it? They need it? some speed There's bumps. an awful lot that's happened there. That, that was the place where... Um, Kylie got stabbed for one yep. thing, but I'm sure there's been a few other car accidents down that end as well. Anyway, um, the, the message continues. The Baileys were a touching tribute to the NHS and I enjoyed how it was character driven. The only thing that really upset me though Good was point. that Scott has gone. I'd rather he was stuck in lockdown at the Rovers because now we're significantly less likely to get a payoff of what happened with him and Johnny. Yeah, I mean, it, we'll, we'll get it, happen? won't we? We'll get a payoff. They can't but... not do anything about it. And the main reason is because it prob- it seems to obviously involve Carla. Yeah. And Carla's like the... Car- Carla seems to be a new focus coming up because she's now the factory boss. Remember? Mm. Remember that, everybody? Or have you forgotten? Because They the haven't talked anything again. about the um, making the face masks in the factory yet, have they? Which no. was one of the things that we were promised. But I wonder whether Maria's mask was made in the factory. Maybe. Character of the week is Yasmin for her short yet heartwarming scene with Alia. And I gave it four and a half wheeze on chips out of five. Ah... Uh. <laughs> And that's it. Thank you, everybody, who's got in touch topic. with us um, over the course of this last week. And to a lot of people who said that last week's podcast was really funny. <laughs> we did enjoy doing it last we week, really didn't did. we? Sorry I don't think we had anywhere near as many laughs on tonight's episode. But I don't know, something just tickled us this week, didn't it? I mean, last, last week. week. So um, thank you to everyone who also enjoyed it. Um, and also thank you to Claire Miller, who's our latest Patreon supporter. Yay! Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much. Hope you enjoy all the excellent Patreon content that, <laughs> that we will be providing, including a postcard and uh, other other sundries, etc. Um, right, next week's podcast, <laughs> Touch Wood, will be all recorded in Manchester, uploaded oh without God, any problems at its usual time. Wood. I don't know. We're going to an Airbnb. They say they've got Wi-Fi. But they also said they got parking, and then we said, where do we park? And he went, on the road. Yeah. So if we don't show up next Friday, uh, next Saturday morning, it's because we can't upload the podcast, and then you might have to wait another week. And I'll be really gutted if that happens. We'll still record something. We just... Uh, you might just get a double whammy of it the following weekend. I'm sure we but can we'll, find a way of... We will do our very, very, very best. We will do our best to get an episode to you next weekend we just can't make any big big promises or, or you know the two episodes i think i mean the middle bit next week's just going to be about you know whatever we've been doing cory related during the week isn't it um which also the other thing that has <laughs> put a literal dampener on things is that it looks like it's going to rain yeah. in manchester next week which i am thrilled about because i love rain and i don't like hot weather Oh, yeah, and I am, my I'm nightmare, less happy about that. All the way this year when we were planning and we knew we were going to be going in August, I spent I spent a lot of time going. I'm going to be so hot. I hate I hate the I hate hot and August. Sweaty. I I'm going to be miserable and hot, and we're going to be walking out round outside. I'm going to be so grumpy. And then I looked on the weather and it was like rain. I was like, oh, thank you, Jesus. I mean, it literally says rain all week, doesn't it? Next week, and it's like, come on, let's let have it every other every other day, so I can get a day, then you can get a day. Well, yeah, but it doesn't look like it's going to rain here at all, which is a bummer. Here because, in Southampton, because my parents have got to water the garden when I'm when we're not here, mm. 
And last time we went away, my dad killed all my tomatoes. Oh, yeah, I didn't know. Anyway, so like I was saying, it's, we will see what happens with the podcast. Hopefully we'll be able to get some good curry-related material. Hopefully we'll be able to film some stuff to put on the YouTube. Or the we maybe make thing, some Instagram stories as well, maybe. The main thing I'm looking forward to is going to restaurants. So... I hope they don't. I hope it doesn't get ruined because of a stupid pesky That's pandemic. That's not got anything to do with coronation. I don't care. Me. I don't care. I'm motivated by my stomach. You can look at me and know that. <laughs> Can't if you're a podcast host. That's why you're not don't, appearing on any of our no YouTube videos, channels. Yeah, but you were asked to sing a oh, I Vogue about that. rap, weren't you? Yeah. You've been challenged to do the rap. Well, and you've forgotten about that. it. Right to... now. Michael, you're in charge of, of the notes. Do you want me to pause it so you can do a Vogue rap? No. Okay, well, maybe it'll have to happen have to, next week. You have to get me really drunk at some point. I'm sure, I'm sure you can ply me with cocktails on our anniversary and get me to sing. <laughs> right, well, Vogue. let's, let's uh, have our fingers rap. crossed for that then, everybody. If you'd like to get in touch with us in between now and next week, give us an email at conversationstreet at gmail.com or um, you can tweet us at conversationstreet. You can message us on Facebook. You can put a message on our blog. Join our top secret Facebook group. You can also you can also support us on Patreon like Claire did. And it is really thanks to the Patreon people that we are able to afford to go to Manchester for two weeks. Absolutely. Thank you very much, everybody who supported us Even in that if way. we're not doing anything productive yeah. and have to stay indoors. Oh, I really hope we can get some good stuff for the podcast done while we're there. Um, also, um, thank you, everybody. Do check out our YouTube channel. We mostly do just re-uploads of the podcast, but as you may well know, we've been uploading a few videos in the last week. You have to watch. About Corypedia's ultimate character survey. It's just a little re- screen recording of our screen as we go through them. And vote on them and, and talk about them, but they, I, I've recorded some little intros and outros. You to have all to of them go well. and watch. Just if you don't even watch the middle bit, just go and watch Michael's intros and outros because he spent a lot of time on some of them. <laughs> some of them, not all of them. And they're so corny and hammy, and he is they are such a clown. Very, very hammy. Um, you are just the biggest ham. Yes. You're like a big. If you would like to see Christmas me hamming it ham. up in front of the camera, go down to our YouTube channel and do it there, and that will include next week's, which we already recorded. School teacher. And there's a few weeks left of them, so things to look forward to. We're not going to be carrying on doing, you know, YouTubey, videoy things every week after that. It takes an awful lot of time, even though Who's it's just YouTubers? really short. No wonder it's a full time job. I know, I know. But anyway, yeah, go and but have what, a look don't, and don't share. You want them. To, what do you want to build your brand of, as a YouTuber? And you can be the new PewDiePie. You can be the PewDiePie of of Corey. I think I'd have to be picking up traction a little bit quicker than, than this. <laughs> I think you have to be a bit more controversial. Yeah, and well, I mean, we've we've given some some highly respected characters low marks. On I don't the know whether that's the sort of no, no, notoriety that's going <laughs> to get you internet internet famous. <laughs> well, you know, I'm. Almost hitting treble figures with some of these videos. How about that, guys? I know, I know. Thank you very much, everybody. Right, that's it. We will see you from Manchester next week, everybody. Have a good week. Stay safe. Wear a mask. Stay indoors. Stop going around and breathing on each other and stuff. Otherwise, you might find that we're locked down in Manchester and not allowed back home again. I don't know. Or we're just kicked out of Manchester before we get to finish our holiday, which is totally sucks. Expelled from the city. (laughs) Right. See you next time, everybody. Ta-ra for now. So long. And the music for this episode comes from podcastthemes.com. Bye.